When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the lands of, no, the southernmost point of torch to the lands of always winter. And what is west of Westeros and the shadows of the sea and to Mordor, the undying lands. Man, it's been quite a, a week. I'm Kadabsock and we are here live. You can hear it. That's a real mess up. Can't take that back, kids. That's the first lesson they teach you in radio. Uh, we are live here to look back at House of the Dragon Season 1. We did this last week with Rings of Power, and we did it. Uh, we had so much fun doing it. We're going to have to do it again because we didn't get to a lot of things here. We'll try to get to all the things uh, we uh, want to get to in this episode tonight. What we loved, what we liked, eh, maybe questions we had, things we're looking forward to, favorite moments, all those kind of things. Uh, you guys are checking in live. People like Robert Meadows and Brandon Bell are here in chat. We'll take your questions all through the show. Yeah, Super Chats are an option, and they're appreciated. And it does help us see the questions a lot easier if there's a lot of comments coming in, but not necessary to get your questions in. Just want to make that clear. Hey, if you want to subscribe and do all that fun YouTube stuff, hey, guys, subscribe, ring the bell, because content is not done here at Castle Talk, both on the podcast side and here on YouTube. As we look back at Rings of Power, House of the Dragon, look ahead, the Game of Thrones rewatch, and we also, yeah, I'm going to confirm it here right now. We, at least this channel, we will be breaking down and covering Willow coming out on Disney Plus. Because, hey, it's kind of the same thing. There's dragon swords, heroes, villains. We'll talk about it. All right, to do uh, this show today, as I said, I'm not alone. We've got Alden Diaz, we've got Nikki Kumar, we've got Loro Nose, Lauren Romo of the Galactic Podcast returning to the show. Friends, welcome to the program. We're live, Nikki. Are you ready to dance? Oh, oh, I've oh, got, I've oh. got, yep, I've got to press the button. See, we're still, oh, I, I, should, I should have had dinner. <laughs> it's six o'clock on the West Coast. I should have had dinner before I did the show. Get the juices going. Unfocused. Nikki, we're live. Are you ready? I am all set. Been waiting for this very episode since 2014. Uh, this particular one? <laughs> yes. Uh, and yeah, Vincent said, you still have the thumbnail up. That actually, you're, you keep the thumbnail up, kids. Let me teach you some broadcasting tips. Don't just show your face right away. Get a lead in. Mm-hmm. If I could, I'd fade it in and out. Stubby one Kenobi's here and just says Napsock. That is my name. And I love it. That's correct. Oscar Film <laughs> Forecast is here. Our uh, live in uh, chat uh, uh, fan hey. here at Force Center. Again, don't know Oscar Film Forecast's real name. I just assume it is someone named Oscar Film Forecast. And they are my favorite. Stack Road excited. all Middle Earth films as of yesterday. Oh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at those Middle Earth films. Nice. Lauren, welcome back to the show too. Galactic Broadcast is uh, the uh, Galactic Podcast and the Geek Broadcast. I always forget your two wonderful shows where you break down pop culture and Star Wars. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Seven blessings, everybody. Yeah. Blessings. What a uh, wow. What a finale. <laughs> I, we got a lot to talk about. What a finale! In the series overall, yeah. yeah this was 
Good stuff. What a, Good stuff, kids. What a finale. What a, what a season. Alden Diaz, uh, you are... I'm trying to think of the... Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. I guess you are my Damon to my Viserys, but uh, you know that also kind of makes you kind of makes you a villain at times. I don't know. Yeah. Good day. I am the the Damon to your Viserys, and that is a slight tease for something people will be able to watch soon. You and I recently Ooh. did some some work, yeah, uh, with our friend Mark Ellis over yeah. at Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. It's not out yet. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but that does come up. It does. Um, co- it does in, come up in what we made. Yeah, we will, <laughs> we will be appearing. We can say on Rotten Tomatoes binge battle uh, produced by Christian yeah. Rubicaba of the Wangers and hosted by Mark Ellis over at Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Christian reached out and said, "Hey, who do you want to fight over Game of Thrones, House of Dragon?" I went, "Well, <laughs> Alden Diaz, Master <laughs> Apprentice. It's time to duel. It's Let's time to duel. This. I will say, uh, as you uh, said so eloquently up top, Ken's uh, super chats, not." needed at all but encouraged we appreciate them but i do want to add i will be taxing any green supporters you have to pay Uh-oh. double you have to pay double uh after what's transpired this yeah. season yeah yeah uh we we uh we are a partner channel so super chats and uh, super thanks and super stickers and all those super super things are available and we do appreciate them and it does help keep the show going nikki eats if you get a super chat in nikki eats tonight <laughs> True. <laughs> it's an old radio That's show big. contest. He's not coming down off that billboard <laughs> until he gets food money. Um, <laughs> all right, let's dive into this here. Uh, we're going to look at some overall thoughts at season one. And I want to include in this part of the discussion the idea, my friends here, of take yourself back to before the show came out. Maybe you can go back as when it was first announced or when it was uh, first rumored. Maybe even set leak photos that you accidentally stumbled on uh, while Google searching, which has happened before to me, even though I hate set leaks. Uh, and up to even uh, prior, just prior to episode one, uh, that might set the tone for the conversation about what actually uh, you took out of the season. What were you feeling going in? Lauren, I do want to start with you uh, about what you uh, what you thought going in and what you thought about season one in an overall aspect. Yeah, going in, obviously not being a, a huge book reader, as we have discussed here before. I mean, I was wide open to anything, especially when yeah. it came to the name of the show, House of the Dragons. I mean, you knew it was going to be Targaryen heavy. You knew it was going to involve a lot of dragons, which this show is not disappointing on any of that. <laughs> yeah. So my hype level was, it was up there. And then once that first episode hit, I, I was in. I was like, we're back in Westeros. Like, this mm. is what I loved about Game of Thrones. And this is what they are continuing to do and did throughout season one is that political intrigue, the backstabbing, the conversations in the hallways and whatnot on, uh, you know, on bridges, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, you know, conversations that happen everywhere and they're very important mm-hmm. and just the, the overall events of what it led to in the finale was, it was good. I, again, as a non-book reader, I was, I was surprised. I didn't know what was going to happen. And now I'm like, I need season two already. So the tone was set early and they delivered for me. Love, sure. it, love hearing that. And we are a, a channel that represents all kind of uh, levels of interest in, 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 in fandoms when it comes to things like this, including Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh, Fire and Blood was not read by everyone, even less than the other books. I always said it was my favorite reading experience and I loved it, but I, it had been like a couple of years since I touched it. So I'm still sometimes surprised at things, which is a fun <laughs> experience uh, right. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you know, what's funny too is that as a non-book reader, I think for me, anyway, I, I enjoy it because I am more su- like just surprised, mm-hmm. even as maybe even as a book reader. And I know maybe you guys can touch on that. Like 
did you see where they were going to end this series? Like, where was mm. it? Season one? Did mm. you expect that? Did you expect it to go a little bit, you know, different way? I, I, I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on I'll, yeah. I'll start really quickly because I, I I think it kind of ended where I might have thought, but what was weird, and I think Alden, you touched mm-hmm. upon this too. I, I think way back when the stuff, uh, information started coming out and, and the cast and, and when we were getting really close and even after the trailers dropped, I mm-hmm. wasn't so sure how long we were going to have Viserys Targaryen, uh, Targaryen around. I didn't think you'd cast yeah. Patty Considine in that kind of big role and not use him to any kind of uh, degree, but I just, I don't know. I thought, I don't know, this could be a one and done, this could be a two and done, and then we'd really get started. So moving that along and starting so far back in the story, actually something I enjoyed, even though some of the time jumps, uh, you know, along the way, not were jarring, but I just felt them a little bit. Uh, and it ended kind of where that it made sense for me. Nikki, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that before as we transition into your overall thoughts. Yeah, I think um, I felt pretty early on I would have ended season one after Storm's End because I feel like you have to start the war yeah. before the season ends. But then... Uh, as we watched it progress and as the pacing was sort of going along, I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it yeah. to uh, the storm's end. So, so like that was my initial feeling. Then I pulled back and then, you know, they, they ultimately pulled it off. Um, yeah. to I think a, a really good degree. So yeah, definitely not disappointed. And then hmm. for as far as, uh, for as far as sort of the expectations coming into the show, um, I'll, I'll take the book reader, uh, path now <laughs> and um <laughs> i i alluded i alluded to 2014 because i read the princess and the queen short story yeah. when it was published in 2014 um in the the dangerous women anthology um right short story book and i i remember reading it on a flight and it's only about like a hundred pages but it was it was the entire game of thrones experience <laughs> condensed into 100 yeah. pages you read about somebody you're like oh i love this guy and two pages later they're dead yeah. and it's like it's like oh my gosh and you know just so much it was is very overloady in that sense and yeah. i was just like this is incredible how did he just come up with a second mm-hmm. game of thrones like right in the history um <laughs> so then yeah i think uh and then using that with a lot of i think book reader um fans when sort of the the talk of new shows came about this was like the immediate the dance of dragons was yeah. the immediate sort of go-to of like oh they should do this because it's it's all set up for slam dunks yeah um so i think yeah as far as the show being announced that was really exciting it, it also came out of the uh the news that blood moon did not yeah. proceed very well yeah <laughs> um so it was sort of like okay i guess we're we're sort of back to a formula that makes sense um for the thrones culture um and then yeah as as you know the the cast was announced it just everything felt like it was falling into place it felt really cool um matt smith i remember the matt smith as damon targaryen announcement mm. and it's just like oh of course like, <laughs> like you know that's that's our guy right, right there because um, yeah because damon is damon is such a specific flavor yeah and i feel like matt mm-hmm. smith is, is a very specific flavor as well very eclectic actor so yeah um so yeah it was really just a lot of excitement leading into the show and mm. and you know the trailers came out the you know i think the first shot was olivia cook with the, the cat spot dagger yeah and i was like oh man Ooh, yeah. um so it was just like yeah it was a lot a lot of excitement and then the the show came and it was good this is <laughs> i gotta say this is this is one of the most this <laughs> is one of the most fun yeah most fun i've i've had with a season of television that's uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. So yeah, mm-hmm. looking forward to digging in deeper. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Like saying a lot of great stuff there. Uh, and I, I'll confess this before I get your overall thoughts all done. We got some great comments in already. I do want to stop. And uh, Mark Townsend saying, my 10-year hiatus from uh, reading Song of Ice and Fire is over because of uh, you. Oh, man. <laughs> I will take the blame there. Uh, I like this comment. I want to come back to this one. Philip saying, from a writing perspective, season one will likely be the hardest season to write. So looking forward to future seasons. I actually think that's, that's mm. pretty true. Yeah. Uh, George mm. said, uh, very nice things watching y'all break down the show uh, each week. Really enhanced my view and experience and relationship with the show. Uh, love the celebration of what we love as opposed to focusing on the negative. Yeah, there's always going to be things to question. There's always going to be things you just don't like or don't gravitate to. Gravitate to mm -hmm. this show, uh, as the brand always uh, has, is, has some shocking moments, some violent moments uh, <laughs> that you yeah. might have uh, just might not want to see. And, 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 and it might not be a message for you. But, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're here to dig in and find out what's there for us. And I'll say this again before heading, uh, passing the baton to you all for, for your overall thoughts. Um, I was very excited, but I was kind of bummed about blood moon or whatever that show is going to be. And, and also had that kind of cynical, like, I don't know, are any of these going to actually happen? Uh, <laughs> I just kind of didn't believe it. I didn't have any cynical thoughts around the dance of dragons being the center of the story. That actually made a, a ton of sense to me too. Like you said, Nikki having, that was my favorite part of fire and blood volume one. Uh, but there was things like, like I, I, I knew Patty Considine, uh, hot fuzz. I knew he was in a band, you know, Reese Evans, uh, you know, I I've seen nodding hell. I like him. We're good. Um, <laughs> but you know, I wasn't a huge Matt Smith fan. He won me over. I just, I was, I wasn't super familiar with his work. Um, but I just like, I don't know what's going on here. And I kind of, I think I tempered expectations when the trailer started coming out and started pulling me in and a lot to discuss here. Uh, and we got a super chat also from Subby one Kenobi. We're going to uh, come back to as well, but I just want to, uh, acknowledge it. He says, go team mm. black. So no green tax will be in effect. <laughs> um, all that without a that. doubt, uh, out of doubt, I got to know you actually from calling into this podcast feed a long time ago, the daily Thrones mm -hmm. days. That's where I first started to hear your sweet, sweet voice in my ears. Uh, now you're here on Casterly Talk, help me produce these shows each week. Uh, so uh, one of the reasons is uh, I brought you here is, is I, I think you, you focus on things I like as well. The themes, what's there for us. Um, but uh, take take me back to before the show. What were you thinking going in? What were you expecting? And, and quick overall thoughts on, on on the season so far. Yeah, well, it's interesting that we went in the order that we went because I'm somewhere in the middle of of Lauren's approach and of Nikki's. Where oh, I knew uh, that. I, I'm that's how good of a host I am. I knew that. <laughs> All intentional. I didn't, I didn't know everything that. I didn't by know design. That. <laughs> um, yeah, we're like I I always say I read. A game of thrones question mark because mm -hmm. i read it when i was like 14 or 15 was confused by a lot of the names really probably didn't pay as much attention as i could have um but as nikki and i've talked about like if you if you think you've read that it a long time ago but you have game of thrones season one in your mind mm -hmm. you sort of have still read it um and i do want to eventually you know of course read everything but what i am is a huge wikis and histories and and mm -hmm. more videos and especially now with all of this um so i am a knows the events even if i can't tell you it's from this short story this short story um and i find out more events and nikki and i will talk and nikki will say do you want to know what happens with this guy or do you already know what happens <laughs> with this guy um so uh, just to touch on your question lauren real quick uh i was sort of deferring to nikki about like the storms and stuff and mm. I, when we saw the episode nine preview for the finale, the next week on Game of Thrones, and I saw the rain. I was like, oh, Nikki was right. Oh, God. Oh, God. We're going to see death. Um, because, like you said, Ted, it was 
that interesting. I've said it before. There's a lesser version, maybe not lesser version. I shouldn't say that. But there's a version out there in the multiverse of this show <laughs> where some other producer pitches George R. R. Martin that's not Ryan Condal. And he's like, so it starts with the death of a king. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah. no, they took it all the way back. And that ties in with sort of how I was feeling going in. Yeah, I knew about Blood Moon. And we had followed that. And it was an interesting case because it wasn't just like, let's try something. Like, they had some had some oomph behind it you know it had uh, i believe naomi naomi watts um yeah. who's mm-hmm. gonna be the lead and and we had seen you know you saw some set photos out there if you paid attention to that and mm-hmm. it, old, old houses we saw banners costumes everything and george r, r. martin still hasn't even seen that pilot yeah just a conversation <laughs> for another time which is very interesting um so i had a little bit of that will it ever will they get something off the ground after a don't want to use the word failure, but after mm-hmm. something that didn't fly. Yeah. Um, and then this idea immediately excited me. As we started to find out more, it excited me. As I started to find out more about these characters, uh, like King Viserys, and as we started to get into it, seeing, having that moment of the pacing and saying, oh, he's he's going to make it. And then in my mind, I was like, well, I guess they'll Ned Stark it. Maybe he'll get a mm-hmm. whole season or up to nine. <laughs> one short of Ned. One yeah. short. He only made it to eight. Um, but still similar uh, in terms of formula. And I, I loved the approach. I loved what I was hearing about the family dynamics, about the intimacy. Sapochnik excited me, of course, because of his run on Thrones. And then, you know, we keep mentioning him. I'm such a mark for Matt Smith as a big Doctor Who fan, uh, specifically of modern Doctor Who from 2005. Now, the Smith era was always my favorite. And so to see him get another iconic character because sometimes actors don't want to do that you know not everybody wants to do the harrison thing i'll go from one iconic role to another iconic role (laughs) Mm -hmm. um oscar isaac's been doing that now and so it was cool to see matt say yeah i'll play in fantasy again but play someone who is dastardly and evil so Mm -hmm. i was on board and uh hooked me from the beginning and i will go as far as to say you know nick you said this is the most fun you've had watching a season possibly ever of just like a single piece this might be, I think, start to finish pound for pound. Maybe my favorite season of the HBO canon. Mm-hmm. Maybe next to, maybe next to four or six of Thrones. But this is a top one. This is a top. Mm-hmm. That's a debate for another day. I thought you could say the greatest first season in history of television, but we all know that is <laughs> Rescue Me on FX. Um, so, I would have never that's, with money on the line and like a lifeline. I don't think I would. That is a deep That is what everyone says. What's your favorite single season of television? I say Rescue Me season one. All right. Uh, we're going to get into a little more specifics here. Uh, we also want to shout out George Stanley the fourth with a nice supportive super chat. We appreciate that. Let's take some questions actually uh, before we dive in. I, I, do, I don't want to get too far away from this one from Stubby One Kenobi who sounds like uh, either a dog as uh, I think I've seen the picture there, or uh, Kenobi's cousin we haven't learned about yet. Um, <laughs> would love his little hear, brother. He, would, he said he had a brother. Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts <laughs> on the importance of dragon bonds this season and moving forward. And I think this is a uh, key question, uh, maybe starting with some of the big stuff at the end that's been debated. And I think it's a fun debate uh, to talk about Amond and his decision or his <laughs> lack of decision. I, I, I think it's great to discuss that. I have a take on it or a thought on it, but uh, that's about dragon bonds and how dangerous they can be. They are these dogs that will kill you if you're not careful or do kind of what they want at times. So uh, the dragon mm-hmm. bonds are all through it. It's one of the big themes. Viserys kind of warns us about that. 
uh, or at least uh, is speaking to Rhaenyra early on. So, Nikki, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about the importance of Dragon Bonds? Dragon Bond? Dragon Bonds. Sounds like a chocolate. Dragon Bonds <laughs> um, in this season and moving forward, especially after what we've already seen at the end of the season. Yeah, I think, I think like you just uh, sort of mentioned, I think Ryan Condal set the bar very early mm-hmm. in that, in giving the Viserys line about, um, you know, this is a power men should never have trifled with. And then that's, there we go. And he, and he links right back to it in the finale. Um, and I think as far as, as far as the dragon bonds in general, I think, um, I think it's been a necessary improvement from Thrones. Mm-hmm. I think, I think obviously we know Daenerys and Drogon are very close, but the other two, um, Rhaegal and the Viserion, Viser- I think, Viserion, yeah. um, Viserion. they're not, as interesting, they're like mom. Mom likes Drogon better, right? And I, <laughs> I almost also feel like to the degree where is it the same exact model, like CG asset, except just a different color. They're recolors, um, yeah. So it's yeah. like, you know, it worked. For, it worked for Thrones. We we knew what the point was, but for this show, you couldn't do that. Um, yeah. So I think automatically they've already just established a better sort of. Um, playing field for all the dragons and Mm. it's only going to expand. I think, I think one Mm. that is really interesting that we didn't get a whole lot of for this season is Aegon and Sunfire. Yeah. Um, Because they're, they're pretty ride or die to the end. And we didn't really see, I think we maybe saw like a far off view, the Driftmark episode of Sunfire. Yeah. Um, But as far as, you know, their relationship, that doesn't really exist. Um, It, it, the, the Lenor Valerian, uh, Revelation, I suppose, yeah. it opened an interesting question of does yeah. Sea Smoke, will Sea Smoke accept another writer because he feels mm-hmm. his the presence yeah. still of uh, who he's bonded to. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting question that will be, you know, forwarded later down the line. Mm-hmm. And and then it's just, um, it's just, I think, really uh, brought to the, the greatest head at, at Storm's End in, yeah. in the inability to control them. And yes, you've been bonded Yes, you you have this even little Aemon has a I call it a hero moment with the claiming of Vagar. Like that's yes, yeah, that's okay. how it plays, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, little Aemon and does. yeah, and uh yeah. and you know, with all that, it's still not enough. They yeah. are they are weapons, right? <laughs> they, they, yeah. they are they are the yeah. um they are the F thirty fives of <laughs> of Westeros. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, that's that's it's dangerous. And I think um, I think the show did a really cool job in both showing the uniqueness of dragons, the uniqueness of the bonds, and I think there's still so so much more to come. So much mm-hmm. more to come, indeed. Lauren, your thoughts on mm-hmm. uh, the dragon bonding, the scenes, the individual stuff with Damon? There's a lot of moments and him trying to yeah. uh, claim uh, what is Jairus's old dragon, right? I always forget yeah, that one. To be Jairus's Vermithor. Thank you very much. Sounds like a, a, a disease. But, uh, yeah, that at the end, a lot of stuff. It's important, and I think to the question, uh, how important mm-hmm. do you uh, see it uh, going forward, especially since they're a little wild? Yeah, it's interesting, kind of like what Nikki was saying. They really set the tone early when they said, when Viserys told, you know, Renera that, you know, it, dragons, yeah, they're important to us as as a as a dynasty, as a Targaryens, but we probably shouldn't have done what we've done. But then throughout the season, you see the importance of that kind of iconography of a dragon with the Targaryens, you know, I mean, and the bond that they do have with them. I mean, they will, you know, 
they will protect those that that are riding with them for sure. Just like even that again, even to the point where, as you know, Lucerus, you know, um, what's his dragon? Is it Verexus or uh, his dragon? His dragon's name is not going to work here anymore. I confuse his and his brothers. It's either Vermax it's er- or Arax. Er- it's Arax. Oh, so, okay. But even as, you know. It was Arax. It was Arax. Yeah, R.I.P. Gone too soon. Yeah, gone too soon. <laughs> but you just see how even as, you know, as bonded as they are, they, like we're saying, they still are dragons. They still will do what they want to do. But yeah. even protect their rider but protect themselves because obviously it went after Vagar, mm-hmm. not you know unprovoked not wanting you know Lucerus didn't want him to do that but it did it so mm-hmm. you know and then just the idea that you know you can take somebody else's dragon too like we said little Aegon takes Vagar at a um from the uh yeah. the daughter of the of mm-hmm. of um Whatever it is I can't remember their names. I'm terrible yeah. with names. Game of Thrones guys. So, but regardless, lot, it is interesting. There's yeah, there's a lot of names. But regardless, it's interesting to see that you can, you can do that, and they can still accept you. So, like the bond mm-hmm. between you know a Targaryen and a dragon, as iconic and as I think like in Game of Thrones with Danny, as important as it was, you know they still are these animals that they can't control. They never could. Mm-hmm. And that theme, just like Nikki was talking about, of you know. Viserys telling Rhaenyra that maybe we shouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, we are not the gods that we think we are. We are only gods to the people because mm-hmm. we have these animals that we, for some reason, they will listen to us. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, that's how we control them. Yeah. So, but it's interesting to see how it plays out moving forward, though, mm-hmm. in this dance of dragons. Like, mm-hmm. do do they switch sides, you know? Like, I mean, do can dragons do that? Like, it'd just be interesting to see what happens moving forward. I would, for like, sure. I would like a traitor dragon. Yeah, as uh, Doc Skurlock <laughs> as Doc Skurlock said to Billy the Kid, you are not a god. We'll pull the trigger and find <laughs> out. Um, love that stuff there. Alden, uh, bringing you on this one, too, and this great question to start us off, because it's something that was uh, a driving force throughout the season. This is the House of the Dragon. This is the Targaryens. Uh, we, we know we're going to get this. We were all uh, just waiting to get one of, what, 17 dragons they promised or something like that. Something, yeah, something in the background, but... We saw them all here, and it's a big thing. And I thought, I personally thought, that, uh, you know, again, the moments with Damon in, in particular, where you know the importance of it, the danger of it, it, it jumps out. And and old little Eamon, as Nikki said, with a little apostrophe there, <laughs> little little Eamon, uh, that was a hero moment, especially because he'd been picked on. And uh, yeah. you know, uh, there's a lot of debate uh, about you know, did they do some of these things to make the Green sympathetic or Eamon sympathetic? I don't think it's that simple. I don't think that's what they're doing. Uh, I think it's to round all of this out. So even though that was a moment, this is what happens at the yeah. end. But Alden, get in here about uh, your dragon thoughts. Yeah, the dragons, you know, connecting Damon to Aemond and who obviously they have a little bit of a rivalry brewing. There's a bemused by him at this point. Yeah. Obviously, they will probably clash later on. Um, but the the entire idea of the reflections of the personalities is very interesting to me. We see how Rhaenyra, like one of her, I think the, the, the first shot after the prologue is Rhaenyra and Cyrax mm-hmm, mm-hmm, taking a, you know, just a casual soar throughout the skies okay. and everything while <laughs> Harold Westerling waits and hopes that she doesn't crash or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that showed a kindness, that showed a friendship, that felt very like classic mythic 
hero and dragon yeah. um, and everything was good. It was sort of emblematic of the the simpler times and of like the teenage innocence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you, and Cyrax continues to be loyal and sort of proud and has this, this sort of regal feeling that we see all the way to Queen Rhaenyra in the yeah. finale. How, yeah, for a protector, will stand back on the bridge and monitor. Whereas when you go to Damon, his dragon perfectly matches his personality. Yeah. With Caraxes, the blood worm, especially when he's looking for the crab feeder uh, in the opening of that episode, Caraxes is like, <laughs> I'll step on you. I'll step on our own guys. I'll burn. Like they, they, he moves in a chaotic way with his design. Yeah. With his physical design, he has his unique sound, which I think they've said in yeah, yeah. in universe is that Caraxes has a a lung problem or a, or a problem with their palate. Something something is up with yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something's up with them, to say the least. <laughs> 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 so, so something's up with um, And Vagar, of course, too, has that personalities and and yeah. With those personal connections, it's like that was a hero moment for that guy. It's coded in that way. It's coded like. Uh, you know, any teenager in a movie gets the first car. It's coded like I, I brought up <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry gets to ride Buckbeak for the first time and all that. Like, mm. it's that thing. Mm. But what the dragons are doing is also seeing what's in you mm. and what you have. And then uh, later on in Game of Thrones, which they had sort of set up the control issues, Drogon has that rebellious phase, yeah. which I feel like lasts a whole season, basically yeah. on and off a whole season. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, roasted. Somebody roasted someone else, yeah. and uh, to, you know they have to, to put his. First of all, the two the two brothers that got the shaft have to now do jail time <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Drogon is being garbage. Yeah, yeah. So let us let us never forget that until Tyrion lets them out. But that ties back here mm-hmm. because even and the, and she wasn't just a rider; she was their mother. That was a very special thing. Those were eggs that mm-hmm. were supposed to be fossilized and dormant. Mm-hmm. So. There's always a uniqueness to Daenerys' experience, but it comes back here. What they saw in her was a mom. What Vagar saw in Aemond was maybe one last ride of brutality because mm. this is the, <laughs> they fight. built a history yeah. for her. And she yeah. could see the chip on his shoulder and everything. And I think that's why she was able to say, yeah, this child will be the one. Yeah. Um, so it, it says so much thematically throughout uh, for all of them. We had uh, in our episode talking about second of his name, the third one, the battle with the crab feeder, mm-hmm. uh, Andres Cabrera, who, who's you know going to be on with us again and is always great. He brought up Sea Smoke and how Sea Smoke literally in name and in function represents the, the Valarian Targaryen bond that they've wanted, yeah. that they're trying to preserve, that they've tried to nail down a couple times here. Uh, so there's so much going on with them. Yeah. And they're also just looking cool. They look, look great. Yeah, looking cool. I think my favorite little detail was Vagar kind of having the old strands of of hair. You know, kind of yeah. an old lady is a little upset, and not going to share her, <laughs> her worth as original candy with you. Uh, great way to start the discussion because it's key to the show. Uh, I do want to talk some uh, characters, our favorite characters, uh, the ones that connected with that. Uh, the question here from Go- Gordon Post about first uh, better first season HOD or GOT. Now, yeah, normally we don't you know, like the competition mm. type of thing here, but I, I think it's a fair question because uh, I did think about that a lot. GOT had the benefit of uh, no expectations. So there was definitely expectations mm. from the book readers, but it was kind of like, what is this? That's how I found the show. What is this? Lord of the Rings on my TV? All right, let me figure this out. Uh, had a, a tremendously lower budget, had the failed pilot, and 
And so, therefore, I think I have a special place in my heart for that season. And it's a damn good season of television and writing and everything. It's right up there with Rescue Me, okay? It's like, Rescue Me, <laughs> get a life. Get a life from Fox with Chris Elliott and then uh, uh, GOT for me. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, House of the Dragon had a lot of pressure, more money, farther to fall. And uh, even though I think it, it's lacking some of the... The humor that I absolutely love in Game of Thrones. There are still mm. moments I laugh about in eight seasons of Game of Thrones, particularly the first couple of seasons, that me and my friends could just text each other, Shaga <laughs> likes axes, and we laugh for a long time. <laughs> I, I thought this, sh- this show, yeah, <laughs> this show was, uh, was a, a lot more somber, a lot more serious. It was dealing with some uh, important real-world themes early on. Um, so mm. it's hard to choose. But in, in a weird way, I think House of the Dragon uh, learned and therefore is technically better if that makes sense nikki uh do you agree you enjoyed this season more than I, any other year of television even the first <laughs> season of cheers which i'm sure you watched in 82 i, I have watched it after the fact but um <laughs> but no to to be to be honest i think it's i have a very similar um thought process to you in that um when you do something mm-hmm. once and you do it again you should learn from yeah. whatever mistakes you may would have made and mm. you make it better. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I think that's just like, I think that is not a, a controversial standpoint. I think like you, I think you would <laughs> no. expect, you would expect someone when they're getting, when they're getting a second run at something that yeah. they, they assess what they did in the past and they're like, okay, let's uh, let's make it better. So I think it's, it's an interesting conversation because it's like, I don't think anything will beat Thrones in terms of what it accomplished on a cultural scale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, it's, it's, it's the lightning in the bottle kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it is that sort of deal of, well, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, but yeah, you know, we're seeing a lot more people's bodies, <laughs> um, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and it's, it really just captured something that it's like house of the dragon, even if it's better, I don't know if it'll be as celebrated yeah, um, actually, then, then that. I agree. Right. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think in general, though, um, in general, I might say, yeah, House of the Dragon maybe pulled it together in a certainly by sort of, you know, lots changed since mm-hmm. 2010, 2011. Lots um, certainly, yeah. certainly by our sort of standards of TV now, I think they've made a lot of improvements. And, you know, it's it's shown with the, the women they brought to direct, the women they brought to write, produce. Yeah. Um, new perspectives added. Um, and, and I think Ryan Connell also, not to, not to say Benioff and Weiss didn't, but I think Ryan Condal is a little more like in it on the, the Martin, mm-hmm. the Martinist, Martinist even, of the even, world. Yeah. Even George says that. Yeah. Even George. Yeah. Without, but that like, might be a, a backhand from George. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I feel like he might be able to deal with some nuances better than perhaps, uh, the Thrones, the Thrones mm-hmm. crew did. Um, I think, I think it's sort of um, obvious that they were like, when it comes to someone like Bran, they were like, eh, we're not so sure how to handle all this uh, mm-hmm. wizardry type thing. We're, yeah. We'll leave him out for season five. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like Condal is maybe, maybe has less of that in his mind. And I think he would engage pretty closely to, to what, you know, George yeah. R. R. Martin intended with a lot of stuff so yeah i think mm-hmm. i think you know for the sake of the planting a flag on the argument I, i'll go with house of the dragon 
There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Romo, your thoughts on uh, the seasons here. Uh, contrast and compare more than uh, have them compete against each other. Right. Yeah, I think just kind of like what we kind of been saying, Nikki kind of said, is just I think House of the Dragon has the advantage of Game of Thrones setting a tone, but then them being able to hit the mark where they know it hit with fans in a Game of Thrones level and then maybe even do it a little bit better in certain aspects. But it's 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 hard to kind of, again, say that, that first season of Game of Thrones was not compelling TV, like you were saying, Ken. Like uh, it's, it's it was, near, it's near perfection at times. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, the writing, the acting, a lot of you know the themes that they've had in that first season of Game of Thrones. I mean, again, the humor, like you brought it up, Ken, too. Like that was again a really big, I think, point of Game of Thrones was Tyrion was that kind of mm-hmm. comedic like sense of the show, but it fit in what the show was trying to do. Whereas in Game of Thrones. It's little moments like like for me, like Damon, Damon saying, what the F is this? When uh, (laughs) when Otto was handing a piece of paper to uh, Rhaenyra, like it's just funny. It shouldn't be funny, but just how Matt Smith said it, it was funny. So (laughs) I I think overall, though, I think you do have to give it to I agree with Nikki. You had to give it to House of Dragons just because of, again, Mm -hmm. on a scale of budget and the scale of what they were able to do, you know, in a first season versus what game of thrones had back then yeah you give it the edge but again i think i for me it's very close because i think they're both very again well written and very well acted first seasons but you give it to to hot d just a little (laughs) bit more for sure who doesn't like a little bit of hot d and i agree (laughs) with that there uh see i'm feeling like Tyrion and braun already and that matt smith line that that line that read what the blank is this (laughs) Might be just enough to make me watch the 11th Doctor uh, uh, episodes. Uh, maybe. maybe. For real, right? now, now, right. now that I apparently can at Disney Plus. All that, uh, <laughs> uh, looking at this, uh, we want to get to some discussions here on favorite characters, moments, and things even we struggled with. Mm. Uh, but uh, this question, I, I again, I, normally it's not something I would say, hey, let's. it's not like an episode of Binge Battle that you and I will be fighting to the death on soon. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to measure it. It's 2011 to 2022, Nikki's right. It's a long time. Uh, it's yeah. a different era, but we were returning to that world. Uh, what do you think about these first two seasons pitched against each other? It's interesting because, you know, as we all know, it's like you give us, you give like people the way that we like to talk about this stuff, your question like this. And we're like, well, in terms of character, this, in terms of locations, this, <laughs> like, I think that Game of Thrones season one is so special. And it's one of my favorite seasons of that show. One of my favorite seasons of any show. Um, and I think that Game of Thrones, it, it, it had, you know, we talked about humor, we talked about this and that and the other thing. I think it, it was maybe the season that I would go to for more variety. That's for sure, just by sheer nature of what it is. I think that Game of Thrones season one balances so many different things where like the Night's Watch storyline does not even feel remotely close to like right, the stuff right. in Essos, does not mm-hmm. feel like the stuff in King's Landing. I think that that is the season that I will go to um a lot sometimes if i'm like i'm in a game of thrones mood yeah. or even just on a youtube rabbit hole yeah i'll you know do season one clips or season two clips a lot because i miss a lot of those characters i think maybe game of thrones season one makes you feel better even if i think house of the dragon season one is some of the best writing i've ever seen on tv and it's probably mm. tighter and like yeah. more well made which like we also have to of course yeah. as we've already all said the money the production value the the confidence yeah. 
it feels more confident yeah. um, by nature of what it is. So yeah, I think I think I'll come down on House of the Dragon as maybe a better first season, but at the same time, I don't imagine that I will find myself doing those same like. Let me like. There's a couple of House of the Dragon moments that I was like, I'll revisit. Yeah. But I I don't feel like I'm gonna revisit uh, uh, some of the the Allison and Otto machinations. I will not be revisiting Laris <laughs> in the same way that I will be revisiting Baelish. Yeah, actually, I I want to talk about this because that's a that's a great point. If if I have again, it goes to when when I keep saying the the humor, it isn't just jokes; it's a little bit of the spirit, and that is one thing I will say about House of Dragon. And the reason I even want to bring it up to discuss it is I I think Ryan Connell's aware of it because he's already talked about it. I'm getting so excited, I'm shaking my camera. Apologies. about, yeah, we're going to find ways to work in humor naturally. Comedy needs to come from character. That's what I, I, I feel. It sounds like he says that as well. But, yeah, um, it's not just because of nostalgia or 2011, a long time ago, and I want to go back to that time in my life. Game of Thrones Season 1 is a fun and easy rewatch, if you don't mind beheadings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've <laughs> always... Um, I, I put it on too a lot. It's the season I've watched the most, right? And, and I love other seasons. I love season two. I love season two of Game of Thrones. I like season six. Mm-hmm. You know me. I love season eight. And people want to throw uh, cow dung uh, at me to, uh, you know, like Joffrey walking through a uh, uh, flea bottom. Uh, but I call it a love cow it. pie. But even then, I haven't revisited eight as much as I go back to one. It's a different feel. Uh, it it's it's it is lighter. It is a little funnier. Again, it's serious. Yeah. I mean, that's the House that's of the, the Dragon. The, yeah, sorry, House of the Dragon. I haven't. You know, I'm going to revisit, but I don't, I had to sometimes sit down on Sunday nights and go. All right, it's going to be somber. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that's that's the the idea of that we talk about a lot with Star Wars. Not to get on a Star Wars tangent, but I've always said there's Star Wars easy listening. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> Star Wars this is the concept album that must be track one to the end or in a food <laughs> metaphor, there's the, I want to go to the ale house and get my zinger mountain melt. Or sometimes <laughs> you're going you're gourmet. About, but I like it. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, well, oh, we'll talk off air about a mountain melt. Um, but the, the entire idea of like house of the dragon season one to me is like it. I can already see it being very last Jedi in mm. the sit down lights are off. I can't be munching on stuff. This is this is really soulful and somber, and mm-hmm. uh, and it requires a lot. Like Allison Hightower is not the kind of like I'm eating popcorn, watching her struggle with her life and her. <laughs> Whereas like the you know Robert Baratheon yelling about a breastplate stretcher, yeah. that's ca- that's more casual and fun yeah. and popcorny. In the same way that to continue the Star Wars analogy, I can throw on Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And yeah, that's how absolutely. I feel about some of that stuff. No, great. It's, great. it's a mood thing. Great way to look at mm-hmm. it there. And uh, Stubby One Kenobi comes up uh, with this. GOT season one was a trendsetter, as it was genre breaking, breaking masterpiece. But HOD, Hot D, was, uh, has better production and the acting is on another level. Yeah, and the acting in, in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones is on another level. I think there were some yeah. amazing moments in here, too. We'll discuss uh, along the way. Uh, Nerdy Nightly's here said I exclusively eat roast pork watching <laughs> these season one. And also, thank you for the super chat, Nerdy uh, Nightly. Congrats thanks, on an incredible man. run of coverage on this. And Rings of Power season one, you guys. Thank you very much. 
show. I do want to start talking about characters here, or we're going to have what happened on the Rings of Power show where we went for two hours and still needed six. Um, <laughs> so moving along uh, a little quicker as we can here, I do want to read uh, a part of a text from Rachel Cushing-Levine. She was uh, supposed to be here tonight. Uh, she uh, feeling a little ill, and so it's always best to take care of yourself. But she said, uh, mm-hmm. tell everyone, I raised a glass to Emma Darcy as the MVP of the show with Millie Alcock mm. also killing it. Renera across the episodes, but especially in the finale, was everything I hoped the character would be proud, stubborn, curious, smart, loving, and dedicated. Absolute, absolutely stellar all the way through. So I wanted to put Rachel's thoughts out there as we talk about characters, mm-hmm. ones that we gravitated to, uh, ones that we were rooting for, ones that we were learning from, ones we were rooting against, or the ones we wanted to have them put their socks back on so Laris would leave the room. <laughs> A lot of things going on, but Romo, uh, we'll start with you, my Detroit Tiger loving friend. Uh, what do you think of uh, characters that jumped out to you this season? Oh man, I mean, I've always been Team Rhaenyra from the beginning. I think you know Millie really set a good tone for that character straight from you know the first episode. Yeah, and then Emma Emma took it and ran with it in these you know the last back half of the season. So for me, Rhaenyra was probably my like. I want to know what she's doing, what she's thinking. Like she was a character mm-hmm. that I was really kind of focused on. Yeah. Um, I think after her, definitely Damon. Again, Damon to me was such a Jamie Lannister-esque character. I've said it before. And I just he he is that character that you love to hate and you mm-hmm. you root for him at times, but then you look at him and like, dude, what are you doing? Like just yeah. get your get your crap together, man. Like, <laughs> like focus up. Like, what are you doing? So, yeah. it, but again, his Matt Smith's performance, I mean, we've mentioned it before, was so good. I mean, just in those scenes, like he just ate it up every scene that he was in with that character, whether mm-hmm. he was playing like a softer side of Damon or playing that like in the finale, ready to go, like, let's put heads on a spike by the full moon, like, let's get to it. Like, yeah. he yeah. was playing that character so, so well. And he can, uh, can we say Matt Smith can sing too? Like, I... I wouldn't sure, mind him I, singing a lullaby like to sure, me. I, I I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take I'm it, Smith. Yeah. yeah. So like those those characters, I think were kind of like on my like definitely focused more on. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, Patty with Viserys, like give that guy an Emmy for those last like couple episodes he was in, especially that last episode. Like absolutely, like just nailed that character. Mm-hmm. The, you know, just of you know he brought that character of just wanting to be the good guy. Like he just wanted to keep the family together and he wanted to do his duty that he told Renera, like you have to unite the kingdom. That's all he wanted. You know, and that's what his, was it his father before him? Jacer, was it Jacerus the king that his uncle or yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, okay. Jacerus is his grandfather. Grandfather. Mm-hmm. So like he just understood like that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you were supposed to unite the, this kingdom. So him, his trial and tribulation of trying to do that through the season one, yeah. it was kind of it was heartbreaking at times, and it was very like God. He he mm-hmm. is he is so right so many times, but then he is so wrong too. I mean, yeah, his brother is who he is, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like he knew, like he had his back for sure. Mm-hmm. Like Damon had Viserys's back every time, every step of the way. So like again, Patty was so good. I mean, yeah, I could go on and on for sure. But again, Allison Hightower, to me, I hated her after mm. like the mm-hmm. second episode mm. or was it the second or third episode that when she became, you know, the queen with Viserys, like mm. and just how it went down. And again, I not reading the books. I didn't see it coming. 
I didn't know how sneaky it was. And you can't really blame it all, all on her. It was her father really pushing her. But for her not to like step away from it and say, listen, I can't, you know, this isn't what I should be doing. You know, you have to put some blame on her as well. So like her journey too was really interesting mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole season. But yeah, I think those, like the main characters really are, really nailed it for me. Again, the acting was so, so good. And then we get these mm. other characters like Sir Kristen was great. Yeah. And oh, I know, right. We, again, you yeah. liked them in the beginning, but then the heck with him yeah. after a while. Very typical, you know, Game of Thrones, House of Dragon yeah. situation. Mm. So yeah, overall, though, I think for me, Rhaenyra, Damon were the two characters for me that I was just enthralled with them each episode, what they were doing, what was going on with them for sure. Love it there. Yeah. A lot of choices, uh, a lot of things for me, Viserys remains kind of this heart of this first season, even though I, I do really think it's about Renera and Alicent and everything else uh, revolving around how they deal with this world. Uh, I, yep. I'm a big yeah, fan as, of as women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that for sure. The, the politics of this show uh, which were very prevalent and, and very clear, um, uh, no matter what, whether people want to engage with that or not. I already banned someone <laughs> from our channel today for yelling at me for talking about real-world pos- politics with this show. What <laughs> do you think this season was about? <laughs> <laughs> it was literally ripped from headlines over the last couple right. of years. Um, yep. But, uh, Nikki, bringing you in on this, too, what what one or two characters that jumped out to you as well uh, this yeah, season? absolutely. I think... Um, I think uh, to just to stay true to my Twitter brand and also tease the future, I got to say Lord <laughs> Craig and Stark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was great. Drops, I gra- I love the way out to me. Yeah. Um, the name drop. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I think uh, just also echo something really quickly. I think nobody did more work in terms of changing what was on the page to on the screen than Patty did with Viserys. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a totally mm-hmm. different guy. I mean, yeah. with with like the the keystone pieces in place, but like I think even George R. R. Martin said, like, yeah. I wish I wrote him that way um, because <laughs> Patty Patty nailed it. But the the people I want to draw attention to are some of my favorite uh, characters in all of Westeros. Here it comes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you know where I'm going. Hopefully, you might. Um, yeah. But I adore Kingsguard characters. Yeah. And, yep. and I, whether it's Barristan, Brienne, eventually, yeah. I love those people. And I, and I want to shout out Sir Harold Westerling and Sir Eric Cargill. Um, they are, they are the homies. And also, also the guys who Damon was like, I'll burn you if you don't <laughs> say it. But, but they were, they were, they were maybe under a different level of pressure. But, but Harold and Eric. Yeah. Uh, Harold just yeah. walking out, the king of, I ain't doing this. And then Eric, Eric yeah. taking a stand, taking Jaharis and mm. Viserys's crown to Rhaenyra to mm-hmm. a yeah. stunning coronation scene. Yeah. Um, I and so yeah, I love them. And what? and to just go off a little bit on the King's Guard as well. Well, I, I want to know. Do. I want to know because I have a weird obsession with like imperial officers, even though I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're on the good <laughs> side. Right. Um, so what's with the King's Guard? I I love characters who who dedicate themselves to a service. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. Alden and I were just talking about this. Yeah, um, literally just talking about it. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. And I was like, there's. I feel like there is a a spiritual bond across story realms of like the Kingsguard and Rogue Squadron, mm. right? Like mm. like just this idea of a unit of people who have dedicated themselves to a cause, whether you know sometimes uh, you're not serving a good person, but yeah. um, but yeah. still having the sort of fortitude to stand by your post. I, I love the Night's Watch for similar reasons. Um, and 
And it's like, yeah, there's just something I feel very, I mean, also the armor is pretty cool. The white cloaks are are iconic. And, and I I think there's just something very sort of like it, they're some of the most honorable people in the show and it doesn't always end well for them because of that. Yeah. Um, But I think like Sir Barristan's moment in season one, you know, a whole to die. Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and uh right. here melted down with the rest of them even and then now he goes, i could cut through the five of them. exactly so, and so. then he goes and then he goes to serve daenerys because he believes in something yeah and and same with brienne you know she's always yeah. looking for someone to serve and eventually um you know, becomes the knight that she wants to be and yeah. the lord commander of the the king's guard and so i always love those kind of characters i love yeah. i love the idea of of standing for something um, and just to also sort of continue that Kingsguard, I gotta say, I am I am enthralled with Kristen Cole, I, mm. and it's not mm. just because Fabian's got a pretty face. Like, it does it does is, Kristen is just a, a insanely fun train wreck of a human to watch, and <laughs> and it's just it's that. just so cool. It's so I cool to that. watch him do the reverse Jamie of like yeah, start, mm. start kind of cool, and then just be like, oh, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I'd love to go back to our reviews, but after like that first or second episode where where he's hanging out with Rhaenyra and they're, and I'm like, Oh, he's so, he's he's such a good dude. It's like him, him and Halbrand have taught me some lessons this year on who to root for early on. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, so yeah, outside of the obvious ones, I, I wanted to highlight yeah. those no. those Kingsguard guys. I, I think that's great. Before I get to you, Alden, I love this comedy from Stubby One Kenobi. I've heard complaints of Damon being hard to grasp, but I think that's the point. He's unhinged, unpredictable, and it works for me. And that's something that I, I, I bang a drum on to the point where people are probably sick of me talking about it. I love Stannis yeah. Baratheon, not for what he does on the screen. There's some things I love, but for what he teaches me. And just a great performer behind the role particularly this brand, this franchise, this IP, whatever you want to say, whatever corporate term you want to use to describe a song of ice and fire and the world George R. R. Martin created, you're not supposed to root for everyone or you're not supposed to get everything they do. And mm-hmm. it does not all make sense. And that is sometimes mm-hmm. the point. I keep saying Prince Damon Targaryen is what the the audience they want to reach. They want to reach these toxic males and figure out, hey, what do you think about this world? Want to make some better choices. You're good on this side. You're bad here. Why do you do that? What drives you here? And you can't finish, fucker. So what do you do about it? Like, what are you going to do? What's in your head? I think he was a fascinating character, and Alden, I know, is one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that I, I knew as we were going around, I could easily spend hours talking about Damon Targaryen, my analysis mm-hmm. of which I love the character and I will continue to do so, but I want to use this opportunity to talk about people that are maybe less talked about. I love that you brought up Kingsguard Nikki and we had just had that conversation about characters that Mm -hmm. they adhere to ideas. Sometimes the King is great. Sometimes they're terrible. Sometimes the Lord commander of the night's watch is great. Sometimes they're terrible. And, but you, but you adhere to our ideas. And I think there's a couple of those characters that even if they haven't sworn an oath, they stuck to their principles to the end. Let's start with, I'll, I'll get, I'll get a somewhat humorous answer out of the way, but I mean it. Let's start with Lord Beesbury. <laughs> Let's start with Beesbury, man. Please pour one out for bees. <laughs> he got his head smashed on a piece of marble as supposed to hold his little sphere um, yeah. for integrity, which mm-hmm. is such a rare thing here. And I, I thought that that, that that performer, I forget the gentleman's name. He's also in Fleabag. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um, he has not an arc, but you can sort of see the, oh, is Beesbury kind of losing it? He's sort of dozing off or he's not hearing things, right? But but when push came to shove, 
he showed where his character, mm-hmm. the, what the fiber of his being really was. Uh, Lord Coswell is also one of those. There's a, there's a great sort of, there's lots of like, you know, Twitter posts or Instagram posts that show the three Coswell scenes. Like mm-hmm. when she is with Lenore uh, Rhaenyra and walking up newborn Joffrey up the stairs because Allison's yeah. being petty. It's Coswell that's there. It's like, let me know if you ever need anything. It's Coswell that greets her when she returns to King's Landing. And it's Coswell who perhaps could have handled it better, uh, <laughs> but but hangs out of that loyalty. So he could have cut a he could have got out of town much better. Not like this. He, mm. Yeah, he could <laughs> play it cool, dude. Play it cool. Wait a day, Coswell, and Send then just out. say I have to go home. Like, <laughs> don't run immediately. Yeah, that was all thing. But characters like that, and then I think the the two sort of like the apotheosis of 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 the we act on principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, is everyone's favorite married couple, Corlys Velaryon and Rhaenys. Yes. Ah, I love them so much. Yes. Who are yeah. amazing, and particularly Rhaenys, who I think is the entire season, mm-hmm. Eve Best beautifully portrayed this trying to figure out ideo- ideologically where to throw her weight behind. Like, wh- mm-hmm. what is she going to do? She tests people, but she's also reserved. She doesn't raise her voice, but she's she's calculated, but not necessarily sinister. Mm-hmm. Um, she mm-hmm. has a hard edge, but she she's assessing the situation. And I was in love with the way that Condal wrote the swap in this marriage in the end, where the whole time Corliss going all the way back to the Great Council has a chip on his shoulder that yeah. he claims is on her behalf, but it's really on his yeah. own. <laughs> um, he he would have been king consort uh, had that gone through. That has never escaped them. And they fight about it, and they fight about it, and they fight about it, about how he needs to move on and she's moved past it. Then he wakes up from his injuries and he's like, babe, I'm finally ready I'm to retire. Ready. You're right. And then she's like, actually, no, yeah. <laughs> actually now the I hell you that, are ready. Yeah. I need that cordless fire back, mm-hmm. you know, get up, grab a cane. Let's go. You, she needs a general. And I thought that seeing the way that they were able to commit two ideas, because that's what separates mm-hmm. blacks and greens, which is a bigger conversation. But when cordless gets down there, one of the first things he says, obviously, he immediately assesses the tactics. He yeah. looks at the painted table and is like, you don't have enough. Shows his knowledge, but then what does he say? This high-tower treason cannot stand. Mm-hmm. They they believe in things. Yeah. Whereas what Otto Hightower, who is fascinating and is yeah. a beautifully drawn character, believes in himself and in status. In the game. In the yeah. game. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Ronan Sohi, check it in. Masari Appreciation Club. I mm. I, I agree with that, too. Mm. I I yes. uh, really like the character of Masari. Uh, I think uh, I expect, uh, you know, the, the, the little white worm to, to factor a little bit more into some of the intrigue there in King's Landing. Uh, great stuff there. Uh, yeah, a lot of great characters, a lot of great moments, a lot of performances. We could go on and on and on about some of the performances week to week. That's one of the things that I think uh, continue to blow me away. Is, is truly, I do think, some of the best acting in a series that has some spectacular acting already the bar was set Mm -hmm. high with game of thrones all eight seasons uh and this season was no different there uh one of the uh big things the season got to was uh, what it was saying art this might shock people is communication (laughs) art is a communication of ideas uh we always focus on the themes but this show you touched upon it nikki a little bit game of thrones was developed in the late 2000s the show uh shot failed pilot shot again Came from a different time. Benioff and Weiss eventually do take a ton of heat, not necessarily much in the early day, but it's the crack started to show. 
Uh, Betty Off Weiss, uh, I don't know them personally, but all 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 around uh, well respected men in in town, progressive men. Um, but I don't think they adapted and changed with that show. And when it came to a lot of the big social issues or how uh, tropes mm-hmm. that they use, sexual assault as a trope, um, how they portrayed some of the uh, uh, female characters, uh, you know, um, and, and a lot of other issues, uh, you can fill in the blanks. I felt the show did not adapt to society as it changed rapidly from 2011 to even 2014, 2015 and beyond. This show was developed under a lot of the changes already in place. So it had to do different things and it had to say different things. And I think this show, this season really came out swinging with some very specific themes. The talk of the patriarchy, talk of how Mm -hmm. uh, society treats women. Uh, without a doubt, the Greens being coded a little bit, little bit of people who want to make Westeros Grace great again. And that's <laughs> confirmed by Olivia Cook. That was not just something we're reading into. It was intentional. There. It's yeah. in the text. Mm-hmm. It dealt with things more directly than I think Game of Thrones did. And I think, therefore, I I uh, applaud it almost even more. Not that Game of Thrones wasn't dealing with things, but it was kind of the bigger overall power with the throne, losing yourself in pursuit of these kind of things. Um uh, Alden, I'll start with you here. Go mm-hmm. to Nikki, and I want to end with Lauren uh, because Lauren, quite frankly, there's there are a lot of issues uh, about women, the, the pregnancy, uh, mm-hmm. the roles, the marriage being overlooked. A lot of it was at play here. The patriarchy was being attacked, uh, rightfully so. Uh, Alden, I'll start with you. What you think this show set out to accomplish? Did it? Um, big swings, all those kind of things. Let me know. Yeah, I mean, we you, you alluded to it there. We we joke like with the, the make Westeros great again stuff because mm-hmm. you know. We we on the show are not are not starting a uh, uh, fight with the comments or fight with any other broadcasters or anything like that. But to comment on it as it's there, it makes me think of something. Uh, I don't know if you all remember, but the world was a little uh, topsy turvy back in 2016, um, and then things hit. And I remember a lot of people saying, amongst many conversations, keep an eye on art, mm-hmm. keep an eye on on music, keep an eye on on visual mediums, like. Because there's going to be, you know, will we see the days of punk again and stuff? Maybe not. I mean, that was very of its time. But I mean, Blink-182 came back, so yes. That's true. <laughs> Blink is back. Blink is back. MCR reunion tour is still going on right now. Um, and, and it's interesting to see sort of how it's infected a lot of the stuff. And I say infected like it's in a bad way. How it's, how it's been imbued, how it's permeated. Uh, you know, there's a show called Andor going on right now. Some of our viewers probably crossover Star Wars fans, I would imagine. And that is full of wrathful indictment, mm. a lot of things. And I think this show did that as well. You set up a character like Alison Hightower who gets on Kristen Cole for using the C word as an insult. And we're above that. Mm. We are the side of decency. We're the side of righteousness. She walks away from that conversation and goes mm. to her son wanking in a window. Uh, mm. She knows that that son is an assaulter and mm. co- helps cover it up, pay it off. Uh, pay off the victim uh provides uh what, what's the name of that potion moon something moon tea uh, moon, moon tea yeah provides moon tea which is you know the fantasy version of of uh, the morning after i mean that's a that's yeah. a conversation that that is happening right now it's happening in the wake of roe that's happening in the wake of a lot of things it's happening the entire production was in the wake of me too as me too exploded in the late 2010s so 2018 2019 maybe even earlier Early, um yeah. when that movement started um thrones was on the way out and like you said ken you could see 
you could see attempts at change in yeah, Thrones. There, there were like, big attempts. Like, there was big attempts at change. Yeah, there was like mm-hmm. you know, as contracts got Amelia's like not doing that anymore. That was early stuff. The <laughs> uh, Lena Headey body double. That was you know not doing that. Like, and they started to they started, but this was created ground up, and I think that. Of course, it's not perfect, and and as we get into the the stuff yeah. about maternity and 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 pregnancy, there's always going to be a lot of there's just, I mean there's triggering imagery. Let's get that out of the way. Nikki and I talked mm-hmm. about the finale, and I remember uh, talking about like, oh, they're going to show they're going to show the the still the stillborn um, uh, Visenya mm-hmm. Visenya right would have been that that baby. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff. But what I will say is that you can see in I don't want to use the word elegance because it's a, br- a brutal show, but there's an there's well chosen spots um intentioned yeah Aegon Aegon does rape this this woman diana um game of thrones perhaps would have shown it and i and house of the dragon did not they gave the aftermath and we can still talk about that as a plot point whether that should be a point yeah um but you can see a lot more restraint there isn't to my knowledge to or to my recollection an assault shown in the entire 10 episode run of house of the dragon that I remember. Yeah, I can't remember. There is that. sex, mm-hmm. but there is mm-hmm. no assaults. And that is a massive change. Um, and when and in terms of hey, we mentioned them, the Valarians, making the Valarians black, making them people of color. Something that George said he I thought about maybe doing that. I thought maybe that would make sense. They're not in thrones, never happens. Here, no, boom, it's part of it. It's part of the story. It factors in the idea of uh, mixed race children, biracial individuals, factors in here used against Rhaenyra. Hey, those are not mixed kids. We can all tell. Um, like that, that all becomes part of the storytelling. And and I and, and I can't speak to this. I'm not a black individual, quite obviously. Um, but the the entire idea of Corliss being the powerful black man in the world. That's like I was handed nothing. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that is extremely. Yeah. Uh, relevant and poignant and even just now the, my last point uh, nikki you sent me that that audio clip that they posted uh, on the the hbo social media of condal talking about viserys not getting another dragon post balerion in their minds as writers is well he knows that he essentially had a wmd he had a he had nuclear power and is horrified by this now because of of a post post the black dread world in the same way that we have post the a bomb mm-hmm. and things like that. So there's a lot a lot going on. It's almost like stories like you said are it, saying. It almost like yeah, mm-hmm. art is communicating things. But uh Nikki, uh heavy stuff, but I think it's it, you can't uh, to me um in breaking down the show, you can always not talk about it. You can always just focus on the dragons and I don't have a problem with that cuz I spend most by the way, I spend most of the time just talking about the dragons and talking yeah. about the greens <laughs> and the blacks. But uh, to ignore this stuff uh, is, at this point, I think, something you're doing willingly and not something yeah. we're prepared to do here. Uh, Nikki, how do you felt, uh, feel about this show? Because you touched upon it. It was a different time, 2011. The audiences expect more now. They expect yeah. this, and they'll let you know if it's not there. I think the like most viscerally different thing was when uh, Claire Kilner directed King of the Narrow Seas episode. Yeah. And di- and she mentioned in the behind or inside the episode, um, she, like I forget I forget her exact wording, but she was basically saying like I've seen a lot of sex scenes in movies and they don't look like how I would shoot them, <laughs> and um, and I think that I mean just the way the sort of simultaneous uh, sexual encounters were 
portrayed in that episode alone felt so different. It, you, mm-hmm. you knew it was a, a different perspective, a woman's mm-hmm. eye, a woman's, um, you know, direction. And it, it, I think that that's something that I think Thrones took a lot of um, criticism for and House of the Dragon um, really just hit it at a totally different angle. And so that, that I think was the most visceral sort of like, oh yeah, that's, that's sort of more modern mm-hmm. um, in the way we sort of perceive what we expect from media. And then um, in terms of sort of what it's saying in sort of bigger pictures, I think there's two scenes that I would think about the most. And that's the one where um, Rhaenyra and Rhaenys are talking while Viserys uh, uh, and um, Lena are on their little <laughs> little <meet-up>. lamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're on their meetup. Um, Not want to uh, meet you, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think it would that was a that was a really sort of fascinating mm-hmm. conversation between two women of status talking about how little status they have, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like like in that world, they are the prince. They are two princesses, um, and one of them is the heir to the throne. And one of them was passed up for the throne. And and it was just a really interesting dynamic for them as two characters. It was also like Rhaenys wasn't helping, right? Like she she's like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, they're going to throw you down like they threw me down. And then Rhaenyra is like, well, you know, maybe it was just you. And it, I thought it was just a really like, <laughs> I thought it was a really fascinating um, way to show their dynamic. And I think that, con- I wish I had the more direct quotes on hand, but I felt like that was a really sort of powerful scene to have in a, in a throne setting. And then the other one being when Alicent goes to Rhaenys to try to get her on their side and, mm. and Rhaenys gives the, you're just trying to well. cut yourself a hole in the prison wall. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, what are you actually, what is, what liberation are you actually fighting for? Like we're fighting for our, mm-hmm. our, you know, our rights as women, our place as women. You're just, you're just towing the line thinking you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really a really like sort of powerful mm-hmm. um, scene between the two. And, yeah. and then on Great a, examples. I think, and then sort of like a just brief touching on the, the birthing. Um, I'll, I'll never know that experience um, mm-hmm. firsthand, but something I did kind of appreciate was in a lot of media, birthing is sort of sanitized. And it's like, oh, uh, I still look beautiful. And, oh, oh, here's this beautiful one-year-old baby that we have, right? Super and clean all, yeah, in a blanket. Clean. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, what a beautiful thing. And I think something I kind of appreciated was how messy it was. And also, mm-hmm. obviously, for, for story reasons, it's so dangerous. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's to this day still dangerous, which is why, mm-hmm. which is why, um, you know, so many, the, the attack on, on women's healthcare that we see around the country yep. is so, you know, sickening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I do kind of appreciate that angle and how it does play a role and the idea that this is, this is their battlefield. Um, this, this is their ugly task that mm-hmm. they're, that is sort of thrown upon them. Yeah. Um, and so I really thought that was a, and sort of a, a new kind of different way to really effectively and, you know, like grab you by the shoulders and shake you, right? Like yeah. it's not, we're not just going to hand you a newborn baby. We're going to make you mm-hmm. experience this because this is hell for, yeah. for the women who have to go through this. Yeah. Um, 
So, so yeah, I think I thought that was just a really sort of right. unique take on on how they portray all the patriarchy stuff. Yeah, they they, they went out. It was I, I keep I keep repeating the line. It's not even subtext. It is the text of the show, which I've seen elsewhere on Twitter as well. People get it. Does not mean everything's going to be perfect. I think the writers mm-hmm. room, producer room, might have had eleven people, six women. I, I can't remember exact numbers. Uh, there, there's, uh, you know, changes. There's always the steps forward, the next steps. That's never, we're never really at the end goal. But I think they, they, yeah. it wasn't just try. It was a clear and in, uh, intentioned uh, season there. Big themes, mm. but it kept within the world because I think I'd love to hear more from Condal and Sapochnik when they sat down to the to put the show together and bring people mm. in to do it. I think this was the story that was already there. Um, and whether George was intending that or not, I think when you look at it, oh, here's what's going on. And you got what I keep saying, Renera and Allison looking at this world, looking at Ama Aaron and going, this is a signpost for our road ahead. How do we deal with that? Do we like that? How do we get around that? Do we just head it on? Do Are you Allison or are you Renera? I think those are some of the important questions. Uh, but Lauren, uh, without a doubt, uh, I think mm-hmm. we value your perspective on it more, especially as someone who was a fan of Game of Thrones, which uh, did hit big issues and did touch upon things and also was in another, another time. What do you think about this show and what it was trying to say? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you all have touched on it. I think really the big thing that I noticed with the show is showing that patriarchy of women in this world and how they are pinned against each other for whatever reason. They're used as tools, as pawns in a game, as Allison says to Otto. Like, I finally realized, like, what you just used me as a piece to your to your overall, you know, wanting to control the Westeros to make it, you know, great again <laughs> for how, mm-hmm. however he deems and sees fits. And she was mm-hmm. okay with that up until a point now. And now she realizes it, but she's still, she's still okay with it. You know, then you look at Renera, very carefree, very, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what the patriarchy says. I will right. be queen. My father says I'm queen. I am rightfully queen. And my father even, you know, told me about the song of ice and fire and then that scene of her realizing that Damon had never heard of it was never told by Viserys. Like, I think that proved to her that she was legitimate in how Viserys knew that she would be the one to, you know, uh, to be the heir. Like he chose, he chose right. She is the one. Damon should have never been the heir. And that's why he trusted, you know, Renera. But I think overall though, too, I think it's just interesting how you look at Game of Thrones and, you know, yeah, that, a different time and I think a different way of showing, I mean, Nikki, you touched on it on those sex scenes, like mm-hmm. very different in Game of Thrones, like as we all know, just very different. But, uh, you know, to House of the Dragons credit, they did get more perspectives. As we know, We they had a lot of women directors, women writers in the room to get those kind of different views and perspective. And then especially on those birthing scenes, which were hard, even as a, as a woman, I'm like, ah, man, that, that is some very visually like hard to watch scenes, but they were kind of necessary for conversations. Like we're talking about, like, this is what women go through. This is, you know, again, Mm -hmm. health as, as we're talking about health rights, productive, you know, um, rights for women, this, this is a hot issue. And I think them kind of bringing it up in a very like interesting way in the show mm. to make it relevant was very, again, I thought it was well done. Again, it was hard to watch, but I think again, necessary yeah. 
yeah, for the conversation to be to be moved forward for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think overall they did. I think it was you know these these scenes with the women and just again the overall kind of how Westeros treats them. It, it goes with you know the the themes of you know how Game of Thrones was Westeros as a whole as this world how they you know see women. But again, you have these pockets of women, Renice, Renera that want to change that, you know, they want to change how this world views women as a whole. And then you look at the greens, you look at Allison, they just want to stay status quo. They want to just, you know, follow what their fathers and their, and their brothers and whatnot have seen and have done through years and years and years of, you know, this hierarchy. So it's interesting. I think they're doing a very good job, a better job than I think game of Thrones did. But again, I think it has that, advantage of again a lot of stuff happened kind of right at the end of game of thrones like you were saying ken and then you know right at the beginning of obviously the them producing the show Mm -hmm. i think the writers were very smart and realized what was going on as a whole and Mm -hmm. i think they made good changes or at least not changes but they made good decisions on how to do certain things and produce certain certain scenes and you can tell and it was appreciated for sure i i I feel anyway it was really well done yeah yeah you're you're not speaking for all of womankind uh, uh, (laughs) uh, for you for you it seemed to to work it was noted Mm. and you felt the difference is what i'm getting yeah oh yeah 100 percent. you did feel it i think for sure again there were maybe again maybe there are still some things that maybe you wish they would you know change a little bit or again like the the choking scene with damon to renera again a little bit a little bit heavy handed or a little bit just again, rough to see at certain, you know, for certain people. But mm-hmm. again, as a character, if you just look at character, Damon's character, <laughs> yeah. as we talked about, one who murdered unhinged. his first wife. Right, right. Like, he is unhinged mm-hmm. and very unpredictable. So. And I think you're touching on something there too, which is important for all these, mm-hmm. especially in the Westeros, uh, the Westeros expanded universe <laughs> as more shows are being developed and right. everything is like. Uh, and, and I think, and first of all, beautifully said on everything you just, you just said about these issues, but like uncomfortable to watch and totally in character can all can coexist. Yeah. Um, and, and like th- that it's like, you see it and it's like, Oh, Oh my goodness. Oh, please don't do that. Mm-hmm. But then when you're doing critical analysis and you're thinking about the arcs, you're like, well, he did do all of these things. So I guess <laughs> that things. also makes sense. Right. Um, right. I would like to know, just throwing it in there again. Uh, not a woman, um, but I remember, <laughs> and I remember telling Ken about this. My mom loves these, uh, loves these uh, shows, the, uh, the Game of Thrones shows. Couldn't tell you anyone's name, uh, but she's <laughs> in it for the drama and in it for the for the family dynamics, and and, and mm-hmm. loves a good, loves a bloodbath. She loved Dexter and stuff like that. And my mom was a, a labor and delivery nurse for fifteen years. Mm. Has has seen it all in terms of of birthing experiences. Has seen the ones that go perfectly. She has also literally carried newborn mm. to the morgue. Like it, she has seen everything. And I remember after the Emma Aaron birth scene, I was like, how do you feel about that? She goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of explosive conversation right now about whether it should be there, whether it should not. How do you feel? And she was just like, honestly, if we didn't have some of the, the tools and methods that we've had, that's just accurate. Mm-hmm. She's like, she goes, and I, she goes, and I've also witnessed families making the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of of who 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 lives and the, there you know there's there's procedure there's there's uh, there's different medical opinions on 
you know, asking and, or should you always save the parents? Should you always save the baby? There's all, there's all these internal debates and then what you should do. She goes, that's all there. She goes, if, if it wasn't for modern science, she's like, we would be there. And I say mm-hmm. that to tie in with what you've said, Ken, which is it's a mileage may vary thing, right? Mm-hmm. What you mm-hmm. like, not everyone can watch a Tarantino movie. They like his dialogue. Then they get to an action scene. And they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it happens. And like you've said, Ken, in terms of like uh, an early Damon scene, like the gold cloaks rampage mm-hmm. where they go around just destroying people. And it's like maybe that's not a scene for the people that get that it's wrong. Maybe it's a scene to shock a certain part of the audience out of apathy. It, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a it's it's a big thing of mine to the point where I, I get uh, almost upset at some of the conversation around Twitter because I just think it sometimes comes off as performative when you yeah. just take issue with some of the things and don't realize some of the why behind it. And by the way, I always say if you're offended because of something you experienced, something that you just don't want to engage with, that's the right answer for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Game of Thrones, historically... I speak from experience being in, in, in worlds that were uh, built with a bunch of demons who have tough jobs to do. <laughs> and in those tough jobs, they see things you could never comprehend. No matter mm-hmm. how many times you tweet, that, you'll never comprehend what those men and women see on that job. And yeah, I think you all know what job I'm talking about. And they love this show. And they love this brand. And they are the demons of the world who will look at that gold cloak scene and go, <laughs> pretty fucking cool, right? They ripped that guy's balls off. Awesome. <laughs> You're not going to shock them. You're not going to shock mm-hmm. them. My friend, uh, a cop for 17 years, sat on the, uh, on the top of the stairs uh, talking to a guy for four hours to try to stop him from killing himself, and the guy shot his own head off with a shotgun in front of my friend. Mm-hmm. He loves Game of Thrones, and he's not going to be shocked by anything you show him because he lives mm-hmm. with that nightmare every night. Mm-hmm. But I need him to learn some of the lessons because he is one of those. We fight all the time. He's a bit of a toxic alpha male dude. We fight all the time, <laughs> he and I. He's not shocked by this. He's a daemon. He needs to see that stuff. And maybe you don't need to see it. And maybe it's shocking. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was handled not perfect. But those folks are watching. And I hope they get it. And not everyone's going to get it. But I'm passionate about that. Because then I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people just go on that. I didn't need to see that. I don't care about you. I care about the people mm-hmm. that needed to see it. And they need mm-hmm. to get this message in the head because this is what this art is yeah. communicating. And you're all touching yeah. on things that I love. And, and I think I'm holding, I'm holding that in from episode one discourse, which mm. I understand it. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Get your facts straight uh, about who was writing the show and who was putting together the show and what the show was trying to say because people yeah. need to hear it. And maybe it isn't for you. And if again, the right answer is if it upsets you because you experienced it. Yep. I just had a friend who lost a child in childbirth. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see yep. episode 10 stuff. And they're right. Mm-hmm. But there's other people that need to stop and see and see what's going on. And I think that's yep. what's, what the biggest victory of, of House of Dragon season was for me. I'm going to take a drink of water. Alden, you take over. No, no, not 100%. <laughs> it was completely valid. And, and, and it should yeah. be pointed out, that mentality of, I didn't need to see that, but, but, you know, but somebody else might have that goes mm-hmm. for the gruesome that goes for the brutal that goes for things that are sexual that goes for, that goes for the lightest things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's like, we hear this sometimes in star Wars, like, uh, especially recently you have the, the Mandalorian, you have the bad batch, you have the sequel trilogy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all doing found family. And sometimes uh, hardcore in deep Star Wars fans roll their eyes a little bit at that. I, there was a little bit about that with Bad Batch. It's like uh, we got another uh, gruff guy adopting a kid here. It's gonna be another found family story, whatever. And it's like 
Okay, yeah, yeah. For you, it might be the mm-hmm. third, fourth, fifth one. For someone else, it's going to be the first one. Mm-hmm. For someone else, that's going to be the one where they're like, oh, I get it. Maybe they didn't connect with Grogu because he's an alien puppet. But now the little girl, that'll be the one. Yeah. And so yeah. there's always that idea in all of pop culture consumption of that'll be the one for somebody. We had comments on our Rings of Power discussion uh, from Oscar Film Forecast. who was saying, Rings of Power is my first Tolkien thing. I'm watching the Jackson trilogy now. Um, so this might be, House of the Dragon might be the first time that somebody sees a fantasy sci-fi genre piece, whatever uh, ca- uh, categorization you want to give it. Um, the Golden Globes might call it a comedy. I don't know. Um, they, you know, they, uh, that was a get out 2017 joke for those. <laughs> at home. Uh, the, the entire idea of someone watching House of the Dragon for the first time and saying, oh, wow, I never considered that a woman's battlefield is that and would have been that in those times and still exactly. is the choices that they face alone. Because when when a couple goes into the birthing room, the person in that couple not giving birth, you got to stand by and acknowledge that you are now the hand to hold. And that's that's a real thing that a lot of people face for, all the time. For generations, they weren't even there. They were in the waiting room smoking cigars. Uh, that's why yeah. we have it. <laughs> Which they even touch on with Lainor. Yeah, Lainor's not there. We touch on Lainor, yeah. but, but uh, that's why yeah. we decided you need to be, the, there needs to be recalibration around what actually is going on. Um, well, even, yeah. even with, just want to, even with Damon, kind of like you were saying though, Ken, like he was mm-hmm. plotting his war, plotting his retaliation while. Renera was going he through what she's there. going through. Yeah. He wasn't there. He could be screaming. Like he gave into that, fear. Yeah, he gave into like fear that, and trauma because he witnessed the Lena one from exactly. the doorway. Right. He was in the doorway when Lena was giving birth, and I think mm-hmm. that instead of growing from that, he internalized it and cowered right. during the next birth. Right. Viserys yeah. was at the tournament and only went when there was a problem. Yeah. yeah. So is it yeah. is this interesting? Like those conversations that mm-hmm. we're kind of having right now was. Like, mm-hmm. did you need to see it? Do we need to see it? And for me, like, I'm again, like how I view this show, you know, after I watch it, you know, the next day I'll, I'll watch like reaction, people's reactions to it on YouTube. That's just what I do. I'm a big nerd. But this one was really interesting because of obviously a lot of the reactors I watch are male. So when they react to that birthing scene, it is very telling, like how they're like, oh, 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 like way too much. I don't know, way too much. But mm-hmm. some of them understood it though, like to get through their conversation. Like some of them understood like, oh, well, yeah, that's that's kind of what we, you know, have to see to understand what we're like what that character is going through. It can't just be a oh, we hear the screaming. You have to like yeah. see what the pain is about. And I think again, yeah. they did a very good job on that, I think. As hard as it is, is to watch and again, as triggering as it might be, for a lot of a lot of viewers, you know, it still has to resonate, like you said, Ken, with with certain viewers almost. They're, they're, you know, I got I got a real quick I got a text from my old boss. He's a huge game. He's a Game of Thrones fan. And we were talking, and he he's like, "Oh, did you you know did you watch the finale?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, for sure." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "That was pretty uh, badass." What Renera did with you know and the birthing scene. I'm like, "Well, that's an interesting take, but okay." <laughs> Hardcore. That's, that's a little hardcore, no. but right. Yeah. Not wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to that point, to that wrong. point, my, my sister came over the, the day after and we were having coffee and my sister was like, I really liked that she like got up and wanted to, like, didn't want the silent sister's help, like, and, and took mm-hmm. care of that. And my sister has four kids. My sister almost lost my second nephew. He's doing mm-hmm. well now. 
but she was like that moment of like i don't need nuns to help me like only i get it right now i thought it was so in character Mm -hmm. for her Mm um yeah Yeah. it's just and 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 the placement too the amo one at the beginning the rhaenyra one middle of the Mm -hmm. season rhaenyra one at the end of the season as sort of that three-act thing um this is very interesting very interesting directing you know i just on the whole overall sort of point i think I, i once again in my life go to the the fantastic John Batiste Grammy's acceptance speech mm-hmm. where he said to not exact words, but he, he said, you know, art has a radar yeah. to find the person who needs it most. Then, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's why I always feel like I always get really, really heated <laughs> when I see discourse that I find disrespectful mm-hmm. um, because some, sometimes it's not about you, right? It's, it's about, who needed it? And yep. I think I think every story mm-hmm. deserves the deserves yeah. the the sort of respect mm-hmm. and uh, you know um, acknowledgement of that point when you talk about it. I just figured out in real time why Nikki's favorite MCU character is Doctor Strange because that's the thesis of that movie. Uh, Ken, I don't know if you watched Doctor Strange or Lauren, but at the end of that, that's mm-hmm. the whole lesson: is it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And I think the the entire idea of of being able to separate oneself and say you can grasp on to different things. Um, yeah. It's, it's powerful. And to acknowledge that it, it finds yeah, you. We have the thing. I mean, I, the, again, the reason I go to Stannis is I, 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 uh, uh, and the prodigal uh, son's brother, but for, for my situation, the prodigal daughter's brother and, and, and Stannis uh, resonates with me in the beginning of, I did everything you asked me and I still don't get what I deserve. And I'm not even asking for that now, uh, but now I might take it. And, and the frustration boils over and you can lose yourself. And that's my story. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other stories in Game of Thrones House Dragon that aren't my story. And yeah, I think we want to engage on what it's telling all of us as best we can while acknowledging what gets us on an individual basis. Uh, uh, before we get uh, too deep into it, there's some great uh, questions coming in. Uh, in the time we have remaining here, uh, please, if you got a question out there, we appreciate the Super Chats that have come in. Let us know. Send in a question. This one going back to uh, the uh, very uh, 20, uh, 623 into the show here. Uh, Jared saying, do you think I'll think the idea of Kinslaying will become a bigger deal in Season 2? Uh, I think that's a funny uh, question in a way, and a serious one as well, because there's a lot of death going on, and there's a lot of uh, relations. Uh, uh, between these uh, these people killing each other, yeah, I wonder because it's so big. By the time uh, you know, two hundred years in in, in, in the uh, future, there, Kinslayer, Kingslayer, all those kind of oath breaking. Uh, Nikki, do you want to see this? Uh, the this yeah. with? basically, and this, by the way, is when Eamon lands and goes, uh, "Hey, guess what I did." <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> the most awkward, silent ride home. He stopped for a Starbucks on the way home. Oh, wow, hundred percent. There's a, the, the yeah. there's a on the King's Road. Yeah. <laughs> there's a TikTok. I don't know if Ken, if it was in your Discord, I'll I'll have to share it with you guys. It was really funny. It was like a Family Guy's take of Eamon coming home and yeah. like saying, "Oh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it." Like, yeah. don't worry about what I did. Like, it was really yeah. I'll just share it with yeah, you. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can, we can talk about the Eamon thing probably another episode too. It's just the idea of it was done to make him likable is is kind of laughable to me. We don't know the mm-hmm. result. He, we haven't right. seen mm-hmm. him land. We don't know. But anyways, uh, yeah. uh to your to uh, Nikki, I, I took the, yeah, took the spotlight with, away from you. Go for it. With the kinsling, I think it's already a major taboo for for this universe. Yeah. Um and I think is it going to play a bigger deal? Yes, 100%. I think it by this point in probably more of a literature sense, it's already played a really yeah. big role because um, in a lot of the early negotiations 
um, even on Rhaenyra's side, she's like, you know what? Um, you know, send send my half brothers over. They can mm-hmm. come, you know, kill everyone else. But, you know, <laughs> them they can come over. They come to Dragonstone. They they kneel to me. Yeah. And and, you know, it's fine. And even and in the show, I think they presented a little more from the green side of, you know, here's Aegon's terms. Yeah. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. the boys will be able to do this, blah, blah, blah. Keep drift, Mark. Um, so I think it, it's definitely still like this, um, this major issue for them. Even as war is breaking out, they don't actually want to kill each other. Mm. Um, they don't want to mm-hmm. kill the family. Um, mm. And I think that is... That's a really interesting way, and and it's what makes Storm's End the the tragedy it is. Whether whether you're a, a book reader who wanted Eamon to have done it totally intentionally, or you you're happy with the accident, the endpoint's the same, and and the perception's going to be the same. It, and it, mm. even even as far as the intentionality goes, he still made that happen. He's not guiltless. He, yeah. he did not absolve him of blame. So there is still the kinsling hanging over it. And I think that's going to play a massive role in how mm-hmm. Aemon Targaryen is perceived by the people around him. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if I remember correctly from the books, um, he gets the title Kinslayer as Jamie Lannister mm-hmm. gets the title Kingslayer and people just call him that. Yeah. Um, so it, it becomes this, becomes this thing. And I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see how season two handles the full on throwing it out the window. Because yeah. as we saw with uh, Rhaenyra turning to face camera, like the gloves are off. Um, yeah. You know, people, <laughs> people are, people are oh, going to yeah. pay for this one um, and it's going to get ugly. And that's, well, that's sort of, mm-hmm. that's sort of the whole point of this show. It's the unraveling mm-hmm. of, of a family who can't communicate yeah. properly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and well, and well said, I think it just it's some very insightful things that it does hang over this world. And that's, I mean, it's on Eamon's face. I can see it in his one eye. He, Oh boy. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I continue to love that, not just to the connection to the theme, um, but um, this idea that uh, no one really wants to do this dance. And a lot of people in a lot of different ways have tried to uh, um, avoid it. And um, the fact that uh, we're there now speaks to a lot of bigger things. But anyways, yeah, uh, Alden, your thoughts on that one too? Yeah, just echoing a lot of what Nikki just said. I mean, that's all so spot on about the way it lingers over the world. These are, this is superstitious people, you know, no matter yeah. what kingdom, no matter what region. You see the way that, you know, Boris, Boris Baratheon's laughing it off and he's sort of just being a jerk <laughs> yeah. there and everything. But the second <laughs> that violence might have happened in his hall, he stands up because all of a sudden it's like, well, guest rights are being yeah. broken. Like these these mm-hmm. things are so precious to them. It's why something like the Red Wedding 200 or so years later seems impossible because it's, it's like yeah, we all yeah. universally agree upon these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's people like Amond intentionally or otherwise as people like Tywin Lannister 200 years later that start breaking these conventions and, and changing the world with these little acts. Um, and so I think that not, not little acts, but with these individual acts. And so that I think is, uh, it's going to be an important theme going forward. And it was sort of there in, you know, Emma Darcy, they narrated the great council mm-hmm. and what, what they could not have known is that the only thing that could bring down the house of the dragon mm-hmm. was itself. Yeah. And I think that that sort of has lingered over, uh, the entire thing. Uh, it's there as well. Uh, Lauren, your thoughts on that? Then we got a great question here from Stubby Wong Kenobi that we can get to. Yeah, I, I think kind of just what what 
Alden just said about the very beginning of the show, you know, the only way that Jacera saw the house crumbling is if it crumbled from the inside. So it's very interesting that, again, what Eamon does, you know, that he wanted to do it or not do it, you know, didn't mean to do it. He is going to be known as this, this kinslayer. So it, it's going to be interesting how they kind of go with that theme the next season, because obviously like, like you guys have all said, they, they see this as a, you know, very taboo thing, but mm. now that the, the glove is off, you know, it's, it's kind of open season now, uh, especially in Rhaenyra's eyes, as we saw, like Nikki said in that last, that last shot, it, 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 that all has gone out the window now. Traditions be damned. You know, you made that first blow. Yeah. And it was against my son, your, you know, nephew. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's over now. Like mm-hmm. that, that's going to be put to the wayside. So this and the restraint is broken. Like yes. you said, it, it's, yes. it's restraint is what swayed Rainey's mm-hmm. to join. Yeah. It's what mm-hmm. got her then to get Corliss to join the restraint of Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Now they are absolved of being the war starters. Why didn't you yeah. burn them? You know, Damon asks Rainey's because I'm not going to be the one that starts it. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. they have all acquired the license to kill. Yeah. And then even that <laughs> last bit of hope of Allison giving that little page, mm-hmm. that page was like yeah. that last little, like, we can keep yeah. this, we can keep this together if we, yeah. if you and I can talk. But now that, yeah, that's, that is, yeah, no, which is, and that's that. the irony yeah, too yeah. of that is that, like, take it back, take it back. Six years <laughs> before Drip Mark, she offered you that yeah. marriage proposal yeah. of, of her boys or one of her, of uh, just Jaceris and uh, Helena mm-hmm. could have been a thing. And that yeah. would have prevented yeah, I, Driftmark. Would yeah. have prevented. I, I say if this, if this particular Westeros society, but a little bit more open, uh, Allison and Renera would have been married in the queen. Yeah. Yep. That is a hundred percent true. Yep. Yeah, they they should have flown to Pentos when they had the chance. Mm-hmm. Had the chance. Uh, Doom, okay. Doomslayer 420, check it in. Uh, I love the podcast. It's been a weekly companion all season long. We love hearing that. No, I really do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we, uh, like Nikki uh, 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 said, uh, uh, quoting, uh, I forget who you quoted, but art art finds its audience. Ooh, this podcast is finding its audience. Uh, we, we are uh, not for everyone because we're not uh, sitting there just doing reaction videos going, ah, dragons. Uh, we're trying to dig in <laughs> a little deeper and uh, a little deeper is not always uh, uh, catch uh, uh, a lot of fish in the net here. So uh, mm-hmm. now now I'm going fishing. Um, Stubby Wong <laughs> Kenobi has this uh, good uh, thought here or any question, this question. Any thoughts on rumors of bigger actors okay. and actresses uh, coming next season, i.e. Elizabeth Olsen and Henry Cavill? I haven't heard so- the Cavill one. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I was, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was about no. to jump in and say, so in case anyone didn't know, and Nikki and I, we talked about this. Elizabeth Olsen, big fan of Game of Thrones, was asked on a red carpet recently. There's a video of it, so it's not even like hearsay or secondhand. You can watch her have the conversation where she, A, reveals that she auditioned for Daenerys, which I did not know, uh, which is amazing. They were like, oh, so what are these rumors of you being cast in House of the Dragon? And she sort of plays it off and is like, what are you talking about? Are people saying that? And she was like, yeah, someone with a blue check mark even said it. And she was like, a blue checker? What? That's so weird. Whatever. And they go, well, you did audition for Daenerys back for the original show. And she was like, yeah, I did do that. That is true. Um, but this House of the Dragon, I don't know. I don't know. So I couldn't tell if it was being cheeky or whatever because right, right. she's kind of eccentric anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be interesting. You yeah. don't get a lot of the American actors that join. No. Um, 
but I, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen's incredible. Yeah. yeah um, she's incredible. So yeah. That and, and, and that, and that the rumor for her was Melisandre, right? Uh, I, I don't, are you, are you being serious or are you just joking? Cause no, I I'd heard, I'd heard that. Cause that got me upset. Cause I mean, oh. you got Carice Van Houten sitting over there and you're going to, you know, okay, yeah, Van Houten. Right. <laughs> so I didn't know. I didn't know that that was who she was rumored for. If that's true, am I going to be upset about it? Like, eh, no, because no, I love Elizabeth Olsen, bit, but Carice Van Houten, the point is that she's using magic to look that way. So she's it's like, already a Scarlet Witch. She, yeah, she's already a Scarlet Witch. That's on the nose. It, it totally yeah. might have been just rumor, you know, the 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 one laned, one track mind of the internet of Elizabeth Olsen yeah. clearly going to be another redheaded witch. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be upset because that's not the way I approach my fandom, but I would be confused. That if you bring the character back and you got Chris Van Houten over there going, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll do it because she's already said that. Like she, when the rumors yeah. were out there, she shared that post on her yeah. Instagram. Um, thing said, and then the Cavill one Cavill is one just I hadn't like, heard. Yeah, that's not a rumor. I think so much as that every single time it comes up for anything, people say <laughs> Cavill. They want Cavill as young Robert in a Robert's Rebellion. They want Cavill as Egon. Uh, they want <laughs> Cavill as as uh, gotcha. as um, gotcha Hugh as as, as, as Sir Hugh. Um, is it Sir Hugh that's coming <laughs> up soon? Sir Hugh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Hammer. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh Hammer. Hammer. They want Cavill as Hugh Hammer. They want Cavill as everybody. I, um, I fully accept him as Aegon the Conqueror. I would I would be pretty yeah. pretty jazzed about that yeah, yeah. in a, a future iteration. But <laughs> as far yeah. as like season, season two, that's not a thing. But yeah, you know. Stubby one saying yeah, Allison Rivers might have been uh, also the, the, the Olsen rumor as well. Oh, that's the fun that's thing about the internet. You don't Isn't there also a uh, with with Lord Kregenstack coming? He has a Kregenstack has a sister, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that factors in. I don't want to get too much into the future of book stuff. Yeah, but, there's also um, like Alice. Her name Allison Blackwood. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's women coming. That yeah, you know, yeah. She could easily but be. I, I feel like it's going to be interesting as far as future casting because Thrones was already so good at pulling out some of the like. Um, the major English like stage talent, and you know, <laughs> here's Kieran Hines, and like yeah. here's you know, uh, Dame Diana Rigg, um, mm-hmm. and you know, all the all this sort of like just pulling legends in, and I expect House of the Dragon will do that also. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's also going to be populated with a lot of the unknowns who, yeah. who like so my biggest um, casting sort of like conundrum is who will be Craig and Stark. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because it's like, there's a lot of really good options, but then when they've now sort of planted the flag on how old he's going to be, then it's like, oh, okay, that's, that eliminates right. a lot of the, yeah. the sort of go-to in your head. Because that changed gonna, everything. Yeah. yeah Cause we, cause we see, Rick, we see Rick on Stark in the pilot and he's white haired older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Craig and Craig and was in our minds. We love Craig and. And but then Rhaenyra says he's he's closer to your age than mine, right? Chase. Which can mean mm-hmm. a lot, but like we if we assume yeah. the bracket of like mid twenties, maybe you know late twenties, yeah. um, then I think that sort of like Alden, you had one of my favorite ones of Richard Armitage, which oh, really excited me. But now he's like that's probably too <laughs> that's old. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think it's it's really interesting to right. think who who the I got unknowns someone. are. The I got someone. Maybe not for Craig, and I got someone. Yeah. Uh oh. But Daisy Ridley and Westeros. Hey, there you go. Daisy Ridley. Just I'd be cool. I'd be down there. Uh, I would. I would I like absolutely that. love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. And and as far as I think the uh, 
the 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 uh, the spirit of the question too with Stubby One is is beyond just even the specific suggestion because I like both these performers too. It's like the idea of you know bigger names in the show. And you're right, I, mm-hmm. Nikki, you're very right. Uh, Game of Thrones did bring in bigger names, uh, not to maybe this level in terms of movie stars right now, but to me, like Jonathan Price showing up in Game of Thrones is huge. That's a, a, an actor Ian I grew McShane. up, yeah, grew up with knowing for a long time mm. beyond just his mm-hmm. Infinity Car commercials or whatever he did. Um, uh, Richard E. Grant, yeah, there's so many that do come along, and I think the show will do that, and they'll but they'll deploy it in the right way. Um, yeah, uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, Ed Sheeran, which by the way, <laughs> yeah, I, still this day have zero problem with, and not even I, yeah, I don't even. Music. They did it as a gift to Macy Williams. What do you want from these people? Oh, that's, that's, when the, that's when the discourse really started to lose me. He got his eyelids burned off. Got his eyelids burned off. I've been doing my It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia rewatch, and I just got to the uh, season where Dan and Dave and Brian Cogman show up uh, in, in the show. So that's great. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. That's uh, and, of course, Guillermo del Toro is uh, one of the characters in uh, It's Always Sunny as well. Uh, love mm-hmm. that there. Um, so, uh, yeah, to that, uh, that's uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of Cavill, fan of Olsen, so anyone shows up, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we get uh, more confirmation that suggests for Alice. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was for Alice, Alice Rivers, but I, I, I'm not making it. I absolutely heard some of the conversation in the Internet, which is a horrible mm-hmm. place to be. About Melisandre, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. probably inaccurate. That's my point: is it's probably inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's an interesting thing, you know. Like Nikki, you were saying, like Dame Diana Rigg and Ken Jonathan Price. Like mm-hmm. there is that that class, and like Harry Potter did it too. Of like, yeah. who are just yeah. the greatest of the greats of the greats of this? Um, you know, some of them we've lost along the way, like Alan Rickman. You know, I God, I wish he was still with us. You, uh, Robbie Coltrane, recently, yeah, of course. Um, but there are still there are still some that that haven't crossed. You know, there's a lot of Star Wars Game of Thrones that happens, but maybe there's you know you got your Kenneth Branas out there. You got yeah. your you know Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Patrick and, and that and Stewart. That, yeah, that, and, that, and that to be clear, as you and I have Alden have talked about this off air. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how they work. That's that's a casting office thing where the <laughs> casting directors, uh, oh, I've worked, it's like a baseball coaching staff. I worked with you in Chattanooga. I'm going to bring you to Tulsa. And and, and <laughs> that's why you see all that kind of crossover. It can get a little uh, it's incestual, which I say ironically for and Nina uh, Gold's, Nina Nina Gold's yeah. Rolodex. Yeah, it is. No, <laughs> and, 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 tr- trust me, I, I, you know, I'm partnering with a working actor and it's like, you, you you get on that Rolodex or you get onto their list and they call you in, they call you in, they call you in, or they, oh, I got, I got you as a first order officer and I got you something over here. Uh, that's why yeah. a lot of that crossover happens. It's all in the uh, casting houses there. So uh, we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Uh, but the, the bigger names indeed. Uh, some questions coming in here. Um, I do want to, in the time remaining, uh, just go around the table real quick here. Favorite big moment. Give me one. Favorite big moment? Mm-hmm. I'll stall because I didn't plan any show outline tonight. Because uh, I'm packing <laughs> up, I am packing up and flying up to, to Seattle after this. Um, but one big moment for y'all that uh, sticks with you? Because I'll say this: this was a smaller, more intimate, giant scale show. It did go smaller. Mm-hmm. It did play a little small ball. And we know that some big battles are coming. We know the war is brewing and we got some more fighting, some more kinsland, uh, more things coming. Uh, but mm-hmm. something that jumped out to you here, Lauren, uh, what's something yeah. that you think is a big moment that's going to stick with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, for a show that really was, again, you look at Game of Thrones, compare it to where they had so many different 
family storylines, right? Kind of in Game of Thrones, whereas House of the Dragon is like you're saying, Ken, a little more smaller, but still big mm-hmm. uh, for sure. I, the one that just jumps out to me is the the fight on uh, with Damon at the steps that mm-hmm. he just he uh, Damon the, the solo run the yeah. solo run <laughs> yeah that was amazing like that was again a moment yeah, that shot. I yeah beautifully. yeah beautifully shot beautifully acted just the the overall like just mm-hmm. the the scene the production that went into that fight scene was really really cool that one sticks out uh, to me for sure for this. For season, I think the other one, though, too, honestly, is hey, was it episode two where they meet at Dragonstone that first time when Renera mm-hmm. shows up on the dragon and is able to calm down the impending doom that at mm-hmm. that time was definitely going to happen unless she was there? Yeah. I, I think that was another, again, for me, a big moment for Renera as a character for sure. Right. Uh, those two moments kind of stick out for me this season. Great choices, uh, Nikki. Something that jumped out, or do you echo maybe some of the choices oh, Lauren has? Yeah, those are all great choices. I think um, I'm going to have to also just cheat a little bit and <laughs> sneak in mm-hmm. sneak in a word or two about something else. Um, I think uh, there's so many finale moments I would love to talk about in depth, but mm-hmm. won't. Um, the <laughs> one little thing I just want to say the. Uh, Viserys telling Rhaenyra Aegon's dream and recontextualizing the entire concept of Targaryen mm. right of rule for, for just whole fans of the yeah. thing like changed my life. That's a good, um, that's but a I, good choice if you're ever going to be on a debate show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I think the one moment I would I think about the most is Viserys taking the throne. And uh, Lord of the Tides to oversee the succession petition. Mm. Uh, mm. So good because Patty was amazing in that. It's it's yeah. incredible, and I think um, I remember when we saw the snippet of Viserys in that state, um, the gold in a, in a yeah with the gold mask in a little TV ad or something. I remember being like, oh no, oh man, mm. he's really gonna he's really gonna deteriorate, mm. and <laughs> the way the scene played was the opposite feeling. It was a moment of triumph. It was, yeah, yeah. He, he found himself again. He, mm-hmm. he was like, no, don't give me that crap. It fogs my mind. I need to fix this. I need to fix the family. Um, you know, I have to make things right. I think he even says that to Allison. Yeah. And, and the, the long walk to the, to the steps, to rejecting the help, to yeah. the crown falling, Damon picking it up, the brotherly moment. And then just to talk about the, the lack of humor, this this was a scene where I actually burst out laughing because because <laughs> Viserys is like so, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then and then you know he's like well you know Rhaenys is the only one who would uh, have anything and she gives her a thing and then he's like anyway so uh, again we've settled that <laughs> and yeah. it, it's like that's like the that's the humor level of House of the Dragon it's yeah. like it's yeah. moments like that where it's like that's funny even if it's not comedy. Yeah, um, I agree. And yeah, and then and then Gita Vasant Patel, the director, um, mentioning specifically, he's not walking to the throne; he's walking to Rhaenyra. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that. I think that is just beautiful. It's it's the Wonderful it's thing. the epic thing of the epic mm-hmm. conclusion of their arc together. Yeah, Lord of the mm-hmm. Tides is a great episode. We like the way yeah. is as well. Uh, Alden, uh, you <laughs> you could cheat a little bit here. I'm going to cap you at two. Uh, I know you. Uh, what do you got? 
Well, it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of teases for an impending binge <laughs> battle. Once again, we I will, can't help myself. Uh, can't be, help myself. Uh, <laughs> that'll be out soon. We'll let you know when that all comes out. Of course, um, it's interesting because I was going to go for Damon versus Crab Feeder. Lauren, yeah, you spoke one. to it. It's I was going to go it's with Sarah going to the throne. <laughs> you spoke to it there. Um, I, I, I joked in, in that binge battle that, did you know that uh, the crown falling was accidental? Is the new, did you know Vigo broke his toe uh, <laughs> in, in two towers? Yeah. Um, I, I love all those. And the one that has been sticking with me a lot is Sir Eric shows up. Mm. Uh, well, Sir Eric shows up mm. and he, he presents the crown. Mm. of Jaehaerys and of her father and that you know it's a funeral turned Mm. coronation on Mm. the spot everyone just perfectly performing it everyone kneeling except Rhaenys that Mm. look that Rhaenys gives Eve Best is the master one of the masters of the cold look of the contemplative look the way that Ramin Jawadi's score swells and builds with the, mm. the chorus and everything. The unsung hero of all our scenes. Yes. Honestly. True. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 Ramin yeah. Jawadi, like, just. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the, old, the only thing that I mourn from Benioff and Wise having walked away from Lucasfilm is that we probably could have gotten Ramin on Star Wars. No. Um, he'll make it. Maybe he'll one day. Yeah. Out. Maybe one yeah. day. He'll maybe it with someone else. Maybe Miguel Sapochnik will do one. Who knows? Ryan Johnson, yeah. why not bring him in? Who knows? Maybe. Uh, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, yeah, but that, that coronation is yeah, I'm with you on that. incredible. It's beautiful. It's stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's everything. And then, you know, to sneak in my second pick, um, it would probably be uh, also in Lord of the Tides, but the dinner. I think yeah. the dinner is fascinating. Mm. Dinner is fascinating. The fact that the fact that we know what's mm-hmm. happening does not, you know, the characters know different. Mm-hmm. And even though Viserys' death sparks tragedy, Viserys went out happy. When it's just shots of laughter, uh, just mm-hmm. Jason and Helena dancing, yeah, and Otto. then yeah. Otto. The Otto one cracks me up the most. Otto yeah, with a little uh, Otto. Yeah. Also, also in terms of comedy, you brought, Nikki, you brought up the whole like. The matter is settled again. Later on, yeah. when Helena gives her super weird toast about he only pays attention when he's drunk, and Otto goes, very good. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Otto's nice to one person, yeah. and it's his granddaughter. Yeah. That's great. Uh, great answers there. Uh, for my money, I will cheat as well. Uh, I Yeah, the 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 showdown, if you, if you want to call it that, between Eamon a- and, and, and Luke and, and uh, Vigar and Arax a- is... Um, so well done. And again, mm-hmm. as a book reader who the details, it's been a couple of years, like I said, up top. So like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still caught by surprise sometimes. And that's intentional. I was going to reread Fire and Blood, at least this section before the show. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to put it on the shelf. I'm just going to take this show as, as it lay. Um, so I was all in on it. Um, you know, I didn't think it was going to end up end up good for Luke. Um, but I thought it was put together so well and it's so memorable and it's right at the end. So that's almost a cheap. <clears throat> I do like Rainey's come up in Dragon Pit. I try mm. to keep my my thirst to myself, but uh, shout out to uh, a, a mature woman riding dragon boots, wearing dragon boots. <laughs> Love that scene. Love that armor. That was good oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice piece. It's yeah, a nice piece. and one I nice don't want to forget. It's tiny, but uh, Renera walking back into camp covered in blood, mm-hmm. <laughs> looking and staring at that one. Harwin Strong, Strong like kind of going, hey, yeah. what's up? What's up? <laughs> um, 
I, that's that was such a power moment, such a memorable moment, and I think yeah. uh, when you go back and rewatch it, it will stand out. So those and combined with the stag too, which was a yeah. not oh, yeah. not from Martin's text. That's from Arthurian. They talk about it in mm-hmm. the in the behind the scenes. Which mm-hmm. Nikki Nikki put me on those those twenty yeah. minute behind the scenes docs are I'm going through. The, the I'm going to go through those now. Uh, probably when I think I'm some of the flying. best like current behind the scenes stuff. Like I I definitely prefer the way they're doing it episode by episode than like the big special at the end that Disney plus usually is running with their stuff. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like if you guys love behind the scenes stuff, you got to check out the house, the dragons built. It's, it's in the like extras tab on, uh, on HBO max and stuff. So definitely check them out. They're some of the best. Good stuff. We are about ready to wrap up a couple questions coming in here. Stubby one Kenobi says, uh, will he give us more magic? It is Laris walking in the rats. Yeah. The rat stuff, the image, if you just want to go on a fun speculation, sure. I hope he is. Cause that would be even more weird. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Laris Warg theory person. Same, same. Not, nothing against it. It's just not something that I think they're That's doing. Fine. Look, it is ver- and Varys um, is a mermaid. I'm good with that too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, possible, mm-hmm. still, still possible. Never saw him in anything but a robe. That's true. Um, That's true. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I, it, I just don't know if the warging stuff is is for Martin's world important beyond House Stark. But I also am not well versed enough to know that. I don't know, yeah. Nikki, if you can back that up it feels like starks are the only important wargs of the era yeah and like you have like random people like in the beyond the wall the guy who like wargs into the oh yeah give yeah. give oral his due give oral come on yeah, yeah. um <laughs> come on. yeah it's, it's an interesting question i feel like i feel like we're in that time frame where like this is where magic starts to leave right it's not mm. already gone um so i feel like the show in general is going to be magic light. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if there is a warging plot, <laughs> I'll be super surprised. Um, yeah. Though it might be a fun thing that can live in, live in fan heads, a nice fan head cannon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> as far as, as far as sort of the going deeper, I think I would imagine it's, it's not going to do that much because yeah. um, especially just in terms of like the way Thrones chose to be more the politics show than the the fantasy show it called itself game of thrones not a song of ice and fire mm-hmm. um i feel like they sort of know the the cultural the real like sticking point on a pop culture level is the politicking the yeah. the family mm-hmm. drama so i feel like they're gonna stay focused on that and probably not do too much yeah. magic stuff i i agree with that i would not mind seeing uh like piat pre's great grandfather show up though That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Come visit the House of the Undying. What was uh, what was that blue? What was the blue drink called? Uh, was uh, essence of nightshade. Stains, yeah. yeah, yeah. They stains their lips. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's like me and grape juice at Sunday school. Uh, Romo, <laughs> any thoughts? Uh, Laris, Laris, is he a rat? I mean, he seems like he is, but is he an actual rat? Yeah, is he right? Is he the actual rat? Well, I guess we'll 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 find out in season two. But it'd be an interesting. Uh, Interesting theory and interesting way to to do that character for sure. I, I kind of agree with Nikki though. Overall, like the magic, I think will be kind of on the lighter side. I think this is again. I think they've learned that in Game of Thrones, a lot of I think the the things that people loved about Game of Thrones was the politics, the backstabbing, the 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 conversations, you know, behind closed doors. I think that is one of more of the compelling than the magic. I think if they sprinkle it in. It makes sense for sure, yeah. you know, and I, I kind of agree with Nikki, though, too. I think this is almost it feels like it's almost kind of going towards the end of the magic as we know it 
because obviously mm-hmm. we know in Game of Thrones it returns with Danny, but you know it's starting to die because again, this it feels like this fight of the Targaryens yeah. is going to kill it. For it sure. ends with you a know? what is it? The last dragon was the size of a dog. Like that's, yeah, that's right. where it's all going. Yeah, and, right. uh, Philip calls right. it the, the garnish. Yeah, and and the thing and and, and it, it's a great question because because magic exists in this world, but the Song of Ice Fire mm-hmm. Game of Thrones is about it slowly returning that's part of what happens and i think they had to do that it, i'm always fascinated that you know i always joke and you guys made fun of me last week or last time out i don't love fantasy i have a reputation as being a fantasy sci-fi guy because of game of thrones <laughs> and star wars i don't like them i don't enjoy them overall i haven't that's watched right. witcher i don't yeah. i will watch all that stuff i, I don't do it I, I i like game of thrones i do like lord of the rings i do like star wars that's kind of it and, mm-hmm. and and I do love Willow uh, from nostalgia point of view. Uh, Alden's going to force me back into that even more, which I'm excited about. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm shocked at, at the amount of times covering Game of Thrones for other uh, shows, uh, networks. So when I was over at Screen Junkies hosting um, uh, the Watching Thrones show, there's people on our panel. Uh, there's people like Trish Hirschberger and Michelle Boyd who were there for the fantasy and they roll dice. They roll 20-sided dice. They play that stuff. There's a lot of other people on the show who are like, God, I kind of hate when the magic shows up. And mm-hmm. it was kind of, you got to factor that in. And it's a great question mm-hmm. for this show because I just at this mm-hmm. point don't feel that magic has a place in it, but it does have a place mm-hmm. in this world. So we'll mm-hmm. see how they, if they kind of slowly like candy. Yeah, yeah here, here's a little bite. Here's mm-hmm. a bite because they don't want to upset mm-hmm. those, those folks. I'm going to, I'm going to myth bust this theory right now. It just mm-hmm. dawned on me. You know how I know he can't work into rats because then he would just be able to look at any pair of feet that he wanted to whenever he wanted to he never <laughs> yeah. he, he wouldn't need to be in an information trade wow. arrangement wow. and he'd That's never good. be in his body Nikki with the wed. Nikki with the wed. all right uh, final one here i'm only taking this one because alden and i are, are wrestling fans uh, lauren i don't know and uh, nikki i don't know if you guys love pro wrestling like uh, alden does and I do because I've been in and out of the wrestling business for 20 years myself. Uh, Jared, fun question. If all the main cast each had a wrestling walkout, what do you think would have the best one who's getting the crowd going? <laughs> all right, so we're not going to go through every cast for time, but, sure. uh, mm-hmm. you know, wrestling, non-wrestling wrestling entrance, entrances are fascinating. Uh, having seen the Chromatica ball with Lady Gaga uh, at Dodger Stadium, she would own WrestleMania. Uh, her entrance was <laughs> better than anything Triple H ever did, and I love Triple H's entrance uh, at WrestleMania. So, uh, yeah, uh, Nikki, uh, what do you got? Yeah, Who's I know, choice? I know exactly where I'd go. Okay. I think, I think Otto Hightower would be like a fantastic Paul Heyman style character. <laughs> and my and like, name he, is Otto Hightower. He'd just come in and be like, let's end this mama's fuss. <laughs> and, and, and he'd sell. He'd sell the point. And yeah. Otto's got Otto's got some you know, some uh some casterly rocks on him. You know, he yeah. he'll he'll go to Dragonstone I, and he'll say, he'll say, here you go. And he'll you do know, it twice. I, I gotta tell I, I do love that about Otto. He's like, I'll go. Yeah. You could be killed. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd definitely be a great manager because, like, he would walk out like, with Aegon because you know Aegon can't cut a promo. You know he can't cut, it, and he'll say something stupid. <laughs> no, he's got. He, Otto's got to sell it for him. Yeah, that's exactly right. what I was gonna say. Like, he presented Aegon like he was Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he did <laughs> in the dragon pit. I want swords above him. I yeah. want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he absolutely was that yep. for him. Uh, does that mean Alden? Are you gonna be Aegon guy? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, now we're, now we're just going deep cut wrestling reference oh that's so funny well i i mean i joked the second that lord of the tides aired mm-hmm. that someone needed to give 
old gold mask Viserys takers theme. Yeah. The Undertaker mm-hmm. gong as the doors open mm-hmm. would be incredible, <laughs> especially because when it kicks in the yeah. like as he ascends, perfect. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen TikToks of because one of the best trends of this of this season was Damon has no respect for the the word the band. banishment. Yeah, the bad, yeah. yeah. He just comes back whenever he wants. So stone cold glass shatters whenever <laughs> that. That, that, that's that's the that's the entrance version, but I, I do think there's a lot of uh by God, by God, that's that that's Damon's music that, that happens a yeah. lot during this as well. Yeah. Uh lo- yeah, that's a good choice. Is, yeah. uh, you might have some more. Lord, do you have a do you have an entry into this uh oh, man. wrestling entrance yeah, that- battle? No, that's that's a fun, definitely a fun question. I I, I was going to say Otto too because I think he would yeah. have that that flair for sure. Yeah. Um, Damon, yeah, I mean, I think he would have just a all out just yeah. <laughs> rock star entrance for sure, and just kind of that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see one like either Rhaenyra's entrance. I think that would be kind of an interesting. Yeah, what would she do? Kind of her presence that she would uh, yeah. give off to the crowd to get them going. Like well, it might be a little, be uh, little uh, intense, like a, like a Becky Lynch. She's not gonna do a lot of dancing. Yeah. She's just gonna run yeah, there and fight. Like a yeah. Becky or mm-hmm. Soraya or Lita, yeah. mm-hmm. some some like someone yeah. who's alt. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Speaking my language. Yeah. Who's who's John Cena? Uh, John Cena, the can't who, see me guy. Who gets cheers? <laughs> who, who gets like, who gets, who gets cheers? Scatter. Who gets all the kids cheers? That's a oh, great. It it it's a that's like, is it is it Harwin Strong? I was gonna say it's Harwin Strong. <laughs> yeah. Like John Cena's team kicks in when he goes to scoop up Rhaenyra. And Kristen Cole, yeah. Kristen Cole kind of gets the early Roman Reigns booze, even though he feels oh, he's a champion. I love that there. Yeah, for uh yeah, Damon would be a good one as well. Uh I do the Viserys Undertaker stuff is is a great pull. Uh yeah, I I, I do think um for me, Lord Corliss Villarin is one of my favorite characters. Ooh. And I just think He'd have uh, almost um, with Triple H when he was doing Hunter Hearst Helmsley gimmick early on, but a little bit more bigger, bigger than that. Uh, and, and I just hear the late great Howard Finkel doing that. You know, he is the Lord of the Tides, the man of nine <laughs> voyages, Lord Corliss Mulholland. Like I just, I just hear that. As he just yeah. comes can down, we have there. we have Corliss and Renice coming down. Well, together they, we do because like it, 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 they show right. up, and it was in the trailer, and then that scene when the, the Valarans walk in, like they're walking in. I think they're mm-hmm. hearing the wrestling music in their mind, which is how I enter <laughs> most parties. I play wrestling music just to get oh, myself yeah. hyped up for everything. Yeah. Does that mean that like Corliss? Does Corliss, you think, because of his wealth, is he have more of a Ted DiBiase million dollar man vibe, or are him and Ray? Like uh, yeah. like <laughs> Mr. Macho <laughs> Man and Miss Elizabeth, a little, little, little bit like that, a little bit. I think that, yeah, 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 yeah. love it. All right, that is, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, yeah. Corliss is uh, Rick Flair of vibes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. drop that K on Talking that, Rick, to but... the Nine Voyage. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. The early, the, the road. Yeah. yeah, love that. There. Well, hey, a lot of fun. A great way to end this conversation. We are not done talking about House of the Dragon around these parts. No, you believe. Better believe we're gonna keep going. We're gonna have a Rings of Power Part 2 recap. We got the uh, rewatch of Game of Thrones still going on. I'm going to actually bring that back. We are going to be looking at the Lord of the Rings films. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, more of that world. And yes, we are going to cover Willow. And I want to tell you, I do love Willow. I love Willow because especially if you love Solo, a Star Wars story like I do, go back and see, watch Willow, the beginning, and you go, oh, 
That's where Ron Howard got it from. It's a great tale. Uh, it's a great movie, but the show I think is going to even be better and I'm excited to cover here and Alden's going to probably be leading our coverage on that one. So thank you all who have listened to us uh, during this season of House of the Dragon. Uh, this is why we're here. We're on the podcast side. You can follow us there. We're on Twitter at Casterly Talk or you can subscribe and be part of the community here at you on our YouTube side as well. More things coming on that end. You can follow me at Catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com. Get ticket information for upcoming things. I will be in Seattle this Friday night with Mark Ellis doing comedy at the Crocodile in downtown Seattle. And then November 4th and 5th, I'll be in my hometown neck of the woods, Pismo Beach, uh, San Luis Obispo area for the Central Coast Entertainment Expo. I'll be speaking uh, on a panel there on Saturday uh, about uh, building fandoms on the online communities and also selling and signing copies of my book, Why We Love Star Wars, information on my website. Uh, Lauren, thanks for stopping by. Where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Loro Knows, and then the Galactic Podcast is at the Galactic Pod on Twitter, and we are on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all those major platforms. So, yeah, go check us out for sure. Ah, love it. Nikki, it, you have been just a wonderful addition to the show as well. You bring a lot of insight and you uh, calm and temper Alden. I love that. Uh, <laughs> where can they find you? Feral Senate Podcast and all the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, thank you. It's a, always a pleasure to be on small council for, for episodes like these. So, yeah, you can find me at Nequisius, N-A-Q-U-I-C-I-O-U-S. Come join the party. Come join Team Craig and Stark. Um, you can follow the Imperial Senate Podcast for Star Wars Talk at Imp Senate Pod. You can follow one and done film club a show i do with alden of uh, movie commentaries for uh the sort of big blockbuster franchises and uh you can call that at one the letter n done show and then i also do a show on octo radio with alden which i'll let him plug absolutely <laughs> alden plug away and take us home yeah i'm hanging out in my cave and then nikki comes in with a torch and sings a song and <laughs> soothes me. Uh, fire and, breather <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> by the way the translation is out there uh, yeah. nikki said this to me uh yeah so the uh show that we do on octa radio is called a rewatch between worlds that's where we're going through all of star wars rebels in order as well as all the star wars rebels behind the scenes so we're watching all those rebels recons which are really funny in retrospect especially because of some of the questions pablo gets asked that have since been answered so that's on octo radio as well as my main show uh, where we do all the interviews and right now the andor discussions uh you can also find me uh, of course here like ken said we're going to be expanding our Lord of the Rings content, doing all kinds of stuff in the off-season break. I joked off-air, maybe I'll even do something with the Gollum video game that's coming up. Uh, outside of that, uh, I'm also, I recently wrote on Star StarTrek.com. I'm working on something right now, again, for them that I'm hoping that they <laughs> that they want, because um, that's how it is in the internet space sometimes. I made a thing! Do you want it? Um, and yeah, at that Alden Diaz, D-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N. Love it, love it. Thank you all, thank you all to watch live. We really appreciate it. You all, we'll see you next time on Casterly Talk.